All right, welcome. This is Orion Rising. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into the show. All right, it's Friday night, and we're going to be doing what? The Law of One. That's right, Law of One. Session three, we're on question number six. We're actually finished with question number six, but I always go back at least one question or a couple, depending on uh, whether or not, you know, the the content is, has nothing to do with or does have something to do with the previous commercial or commercial question. So welcome to those of you who said hello in the in the chat. I see Jen out there. I see Reese out there. Hello, hello, hello. I, I see. I think that's, uh, um, I'm not sure, but I think that uh, that is uh, uh, Ariel, although it doesn't, it just says Facebook user, but uh, that's usually her, right? <laughs> Kathy, welcome. Okay, so before I start, hold on, let me turn this uh, overlay off here, right? Pardon me. I'm over here with phlegm today. Let me turn the overlay off so you guys can see me here. And you can see that I have uh, over here on the screen, uh, that way, right? No, that way, right there. You can see I have a lot of one up. But, um, and I also have the microphone out because I still have, have to put the microphone here because there's no internal microphone on this uh, computer. So I can't have it in my boom. I have to set it down in between the speakers, which I've pulled down and they're sitting on the desk so that you guys can hear uh, uh, raw when they're talking. Okay, but the first thing I wanted to do, I mentioned this on Ariel's show on um, Monday, on the 4th of July. So if you haven't seen that, you might want to go back and take a look at that. Peter, welcome. Uh, Denise, welcome. So I mentioned this on Monday, and I was going to talk about it on Wednesday, but Wednesday we took a hiatus uh, for, for this week. So we'll be back next week on Skull Island. But I wanted to mention this because we were talking about the um, – pyramids and we were talking about chakras and crystals uh and all of that right uh, in the last two weeks so i, I wanted to before we get past that because that's where they're kind of going now they're going to get past that i wanted to uh <clears throat> talk about as i have phlegm problems um which you would think i've been talking all day but i haven't been maybe that's why i have phlegm problems right normally i have phlegm problems when i'm talking a lot but i haven't been haven't said but five words, but maybe that's why I'm having issues because I haven't said anything. I don't know. Anyway, um, <clears throat> talking about the chakra points and uh, the kundalini energy and ascension, which is what they were talking about with the pyramids, uh, and especially the, the biggest pyramid at Giza, the one that, uh, at the Giza Plateau, the large one uh, that people can go inside of. And uh, if you guys were here, I don't have it loaded. I was going to load it, but I forgot, and I was running a little bit late. So I don't have the meme to show you guys. But Gary Osborne, who was uh, here not too long ago, uh, we did uh, you know that, that uh, uh, show on Ancient Aliens Worldwide that I produced for the Ancient Aliens Worldwide, which I created and still own. But he's coming back. The 30th, which is a Saturday this time, the 30th of July, he's coming back for session two. And I hear tell that session three is in the works. So Gary's coming back. Why is that important? Because Gary talked about the ascension and talked about um, the problem with our planet being tilted instead of being upright. And um, I had mentioned in the chat, why is this? You'll see all of this uh, comes into play in a minute. Um, that, you know, being upright, part of the, you know, John the Baptist and many other uh, figures are putting their finger up, pointing straight up. Everybody just assumed they were pointing at God, right? But they weren't. They were pointing, you know, telling people be be straight up, right? And Or be upright, which is very important to say it that way. Uh, being knighted, 
by the Holy Roman seed, part of, of being knighted is your oath and your oath. They tell that you can watch the movie, uh, kingdom of heaven, which was a true story. Uh, they had to downplay the, the violence. So it was more of a docudrama than it was Hollywood. Uh, the only Hollywood was downplaying the violence and gore that happens in real life and that kind of warfare. So in that, Balian is knighting everyone that can hear his voice. And one of the things that he says is be upright and speak the truth, even if it leads to your death. That's actual. Everything that he says in there is actual truth. And I mentioned that before, even the backhand across the face, right? <laughs> which is, which I mean, but it's, you know, and here, this is for you to remember your oath. Okay. So why is all that important? Because the, the, the churches normally don't, let me say this, all of the information that pertains to, to personal spiritualism and chakras has been attempted by people, Constantine, King David, a few others, King James, a few others, to be removed from the Bibles, all of them, by, and, and the, the canon completely. So when Ra talked about early on in session one and two about the pyramid, that was what he was referring to. And that's why they went straight into crystals and, and the colors and chakras, because the rainbow is the exact colors of the chakra. So in nature, everything is perfect and it is exactly what we are as well. It's not a mistake. Why is that important? Okay. I want, I want to say this. I haven't done enough research to find out everything. However, I do know that the Exodus, wait, let's go back to, wait, no, let's start with the Exodus. The Exodus and the beginning of that, the entire story of like the movie, The Ten Commandments, all of that is a parable on the ascension and your chakras and the kundalini energy and the balance of the kundalini energy. Okay. So yeah, how's everybody's Friday, right? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Love it. It's Friday. It's a great day to have a Friday on. Okay. So that entire story, Moses being the meek, the meek shall inherit the earth. Moses being uh, a Jewish. First of all, let's talk about that. If, if, the Africans and the people that were in in Egypt, North Africa, were in fact black, like everyone says. How is it that nobody knew the difference between Moses being Egyptian or being uh, Hebrew? Because the Hebrews aren't black. They're just olive-colored brown, right? So how is that that they mistake, mistook him, mistook him for an Egyptian if, in fact, all the Egyptian pharaohs were, in fact, black? It's a question that I have that they can't answer. Right? Lenny, you know, that's a nickname for Leonard, right? Only I spell it L-E-N-N-Y, right? So Lenny, love the name. Um, that's a nickname for, and even if it's a it's a unisex name, so I don't know if you're a male or a female. I think you're a female, um, but that's a unisex name like um, Leona is to Leonard. It's the feminine version of that. 
I actually worked with a woman whose name was Leona, and we used to like high five all the time because that means Lionheart. Okay, so the pyramid was built so that you could go into the pyramid, even in the subterranean. And if you listen to Gary Osborne on Ancient Aliens Worldwide, which I produced, it's my group that I created back in 2012, which almost has 300,000 members and would have had 300,000 members like four years ago, almost five years ago now. But Facebook keeps uh, deleting a bunch every time we hit that mark. It's like they don't want ancient aliens to go over 300,000 members. It's funny. Anyway, so it's told by Ra earlier on and and in in the future that the pyramid was built so the people would, would be able to go inside and ascend. Now, uh, that's because the different places, the King's Chamber, the Queen's Chamber, and even the subterranean chamber down below, which was uh, had water in it, all of that is designed, the water being the earth base root yellow ray chakra, and, and then not every single, not all seven chakras, mind you, but four of the major, and that would be literally the base root, then the heart chakra, then the, well, the, the throat chakra, uh, or, you know, really the third eye and, and above. And the chamber they know is there that we don't know about, we haven't been into. There's a chamber above that's up at the top that they know is there, but there, there's no access to it. So one day they're going to drill in and find and find that chamber. So we do know that it's there. They've done x-rays and ground penetrating radar and all this stuff. So they know there's a chamber above the queen's chamber or king's chamber, whichever one is the highest one. I think it's the Queen's Chamber because they talk about that. Okay, in one of the scrolls that's taken out of the Bible, one of the Dead Sea Scrolls, they and I don't remember which one. I'm going to have to do the research so I can get back to you guys on that. But they talk about the ascension and the person who is in the Queen's Chamber, when they refer to the Queen's Chamber, that is that is not the, the, the you know, in the head. That's the, the, the violet that is outside that we call the crown chakra, okay? And, but it, uh, in the pyramid itself, there is a queen's chamber, right? But I think they got it backwards because I think they have the queen's chamber below the king's chamber because you know how it is. They're the monotheistic male-dominated god, so the god has to be above the goddess. Um, but I, it, but I, I'm not sure I'll have to, I don't remember offhand. It could be the other way around. But either way, I think the queen's chamber is supposed to be above. And then there's supposed to be one more than that, and that's when you're ascended outside of the of the body. So the pyramid was built that way. And to back that up, I want to talk about the Bible. Uh, like we said, the, the Exodus. If you look at the Exodus, I'm going to try and go through this really quickly, the Exodus and Revelation, and then we'll get into um, the Law of One again, because you're going to be, you heard about that, and you will be hearing about that. So in the Exodus, first is Moses hidden uh, because they're trying to kill him, which is exactly like uh, Zeus with his father trying to kill him. So in the beginning of this storyline, it's already the hero, one of the heroes of a thousand faces, who will become the savior character. And that's what happens for the Hebrews, uh, for the Jewish race. He becomes the savior character. And that's one of the reasons why at the end I always had questions. Why is it that when they got to uh, you know, the promised land, God said that Moses couldn't go in there. It wasn't because he was not worthy. It was because he he didn't need that saving. He still he needed a different veneration 
So he went back to the desert where everybody else went to make their lives, and then he was separate from them. Uh, and there's another whole story behind that. Okay, so he was cast out when he was found out, and he went through the dark night of the soul and soul searched for himself. Now, right, first he thought he was a, a Egyptian prince. Then he finds out he's just a Hebrew a slave, uh, which they're still not quite. That's you know, there's some question about whether they were actually enslaved or under contract. A lot of you don't know that. Um, so, um, uh, Jeanette, welcome, welcome, welcome. You're in the aren't you in the Netherlands, right? Welcome. Um, and I know there's a you know like in, in Denise, welcome. I don't think I said that to you, right? Julie, welcome. Miguel, welcome. I saw you and didn't say hi. I'm sorry, Mike. Mike, welcome. Mike and I just talked about this on Monday. Okay, so Moses goes through the dark night of the soul when he's out in the desert, and some years go by Sweden. I knew it was somewhere over there. I apologize for calling you a Danish when you're actually Swedish. I'm learning Svenska, by the way. I'm not really good at it, but for some reason it comes easy to me, uh, even easier than Latin. Um, I, you know, I think it's because the English language is based on the Viking language, right? I mean, come on, even our alphabet is the Viking alphabet. Uh, except for we added a few things that we picked up from Latin and a few other races, right? Like the Z wasn't there and the Y wasn't there. There's no reason for that in the in the in Svenska, right? Um, so, so the uh, Moses went through the dark night of the soul and went through soul searching, and then when when the burning bush is there, that's Moses opening his third eye, and being able to see beyond, and imagine something beyond and perceive it. No one else was able to see it. When he looked up and said, there, do you see that burn, that bush burning? If you watch the movies, uh, the, the movie with uh, Christian Bale playing Moses, no one was around, and, and they didn't see it, so he went up there. But the other one, which Charlton Heston made in the 40s, uh, he wasn't alone, and he looked up and saw it, and they didn't see it. His wife didn't see it. She was not spiritually ready for that, and he went up on the on the mountain and that the, the the flaming pillar was him his third eye opening to the reality of something beyond and the acceptance of a spirit into his into his life where before if you think about it he was about uh egyptian gods and goddesses and they have a god for everything you know what i mean i mean they have a god for masculine and feminine god depending on the side of a rock you're standing on so most religions do Right. Was, uh, I'm not downing that because just because the, you know, the Christian and the Muslim and the Hebrew religion is the big three on this planet doesn't mean they're right that there's a because they're not right. There's no there's not a, a, a male dominated God. God's not just male. Right. That's the biggest problem with our world is that there's too many people believing that God is is a sex. Is a male. That's the biggest, one of the biggest setbacks. That's part of the devil uh, trick the devil pulled is getting everybody to believe. When you hear the law of one, everyone thinks, oh, you're talking about a monotheistic male God. No, not at all. The law of one is about a monotheistic male, female, androgynous God, Goddess. We don't have a word for God, Goddess as one because that was taken out of our language. We should invent one. And make and, and put it there, right? Holy, you know, holy androgyni. I don't know. We'll have to figure that out as a race. Okay, so that was his a third eye opening, and then he returns, 
and uh, and the Hebrews at the time are going through the dark night of the soul. They're enslaved or contracted and being beaten and whipped. And so does Ramses again. So there's many parables here. Ramses with his arrogance comes crashing down when his son dies. And that was the curse that came off of his lips promised by God. Now, all the plagues that happened to Egypt are the same plagues that happened during the apocalypse. We'll get to that in a minute. So I had a problem with the new movie because it was very anti-Christian, the one with Christian Bale, because they made God an eight-year-old boy or younger, and he threw a temper tantrum, and he was all fucking full of ego. Now, I'm going to go back and rewatch it several times to make sure that I'm not just applying that and that there's something else they're trying to show. But when God screamed, when Moses had mercy and wanted to have mercy on the Egyptians and God got enraged and screamed at him in rage, no, I will punish them and I need to see them punished. Uh, all seeing, all knowing, loving God wouldn't do that. So either the writers or the director or the producers or somebody making that movie is obviously anti-Christian, anti-monotheistic, male-dominated God, and making them childlike and full of ego, which would suggest that Hollywood had something to do with that, and they were trying to, of course, destroy the Christian religion. However, they also left out the pillar of fire. I noticed that. So they had to do that. And why is that? Because the pillar of fire that held back Ramses was because Ramses descended into ego and was now mad and pissed off after he said, leave, take your all your people and go. And then after they left, of course, his egoic wife, you're going to let them do that. Blah, 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 blah. Same reason why John the Baptist got his head chopped off because uh, an egoic woman. Now, I'm not saying that it was women's fault and all that. I'm sure they were painting that that way. But in the story, it was someone with ego. And, of course, then he using his ego. His ego was bruised because of, uh, you know, same thing happened to Ramses II. And it could have been anybody. They used the woman because they were trying. You have to remember that when all that was written in the Bible, it, it, it kind of says that. But the Bible, again, was written by men at a time when women were uh, property. So they were also, you have to remember, the Christian faith was trying to downplay women into a role of subservience. Uh, of nobody's and nothing, uh, and that's why they call Jesus' wife a whore. So you have to take that with a grain of salt, because they're attacking women. It was started when the church was the church was usurped uh, by Peter or Paul or Peter Paul, whatever his name was. He was gay. He was in love with Jesus, and he usurped the church. He hated uh, um, Mary Magdalene because she was married to Jesus. And this is you know some of you go say, oh my blasphemy. Right. Blasphemy. Don't blasphemy in here. I have I have Christians tell me that and I'm a Christian minister and I was knighted by the Holy Roman Catholic Church. And I'll tell you this, when you're knighted by the church, you get to learn knowledge that you don't get to learn uh, not being knighted. And some of that knowledge that you learn puts you on a track to learn what I know. And what I know is that Jesus Christ was married and Mary Magdalene was was pregnant. and She had a, a, a daughter. And her name was, I think it was Sarah or Sophia, whichever one of those words, I can't remember which, means in Yiddish or Hebrew uh, and Farsi, it means princess. And we know that if you read the book, Holy Blood, Holy Grail, 
Uh, we know that she showed up in the South of France. And you can go to the South of France, and the people there said she did. She showed up with a little girl who was a peasant and supposedly her slave, but that slave married a prince and became the queen, a Merovingian king, and became a queen of uh, the South of France. And uh, she could talk to uh, animals and heal the sick, uh, and her children could do the same. So there's Dan Brown's what if. Uh, what if all of that's true and that Jesus Christ has descendants on a bloodline? That's why the movie. Okay, well, he wrote the book first. So that entire thing, the exodus and them leaving and being chased by Ramses, and then Ramses being stopped by the pillar of fire was because he was now egoic, and he couldn't go any further because the Hebrews and Moses once again was was ascending, and uh, so they had to they had to hold them off because Moses and they did this well in that movie with Christian Bale, but not in the first one with uh, with uh, Charlton Heston. Moses they didn't part the Red Sea until Moses cast his sword into the water and laid down his arms. Once he gave in to God and said, and threw his weapon and said, I am I am yours. I'm going to sit down. It is not me that's doing this. You have abandoned me. I don't know why. I am going to now bow before you, and it is your will, whatever's going to happen to us. And that's when the waters parted. Because it wasn't just him. It was the all of the Hebrews that were there that were leaving. Okay? So that was the ascension, and it was going through, and everything that happened to him and them were were aligning their chakras, and that was the kundalini energy. And he had the war energy, which is the male-dominated spiral of the kundalini, but he didn't have the nurturing, loving, caring energy of the feminine, which completes. And to get into the queen's chamber, queen's chamber again, you have to be in touch with that feminine, not just the war side. The war part, it goes through to your heart and all the way to your to your, you know, to your vocal cords, to that, that chakra. But the one that's your third eye and above, you cannot access if you're warlike. You have to, you have to then uh, give in and give yourself over to the universe. And once you do that and give yourself over to the feminine energies, then it unlocks the third eye and the crown chakra and above. So that, that happened there. Now, if you look at the, um, the apocalypse at the end, right? It, you learn, you look at that, it's the same thing again, right? You have the entire species that talks about a time like now, which is what we're, as a human race, on this planet are going through the dark night of the soul now, right? And everybody thinks it's darkest right now because it's just horrifying and everything is so bad and it's all negative and the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And we never say anything happened in a positive way. If something happens, it's always some negative conspiracy theory from the bad guys even if all of that is true you, you have to realize that everything that is being done is being done exactly the way it's supposed to be there's no randomality in the universe there's no randomality there's no way that you me and the entire uh, race of humans in this third dimension third density are going to lose our souls to the devil because the devil doesn't exist not outside of you they want you to believe that. Everybody says, you know, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was getting you to believe that he didn't exist. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled, the greatest trick evil people ever pulled, was getting you to believe, me, you, and everyone else, that there is, in fact, the devil. There's not. There is no equal to God evil 
on the entire universe, sitting in a throne across from God, and they're playing checkers or chess with the human soul. That's a lie made up by evil people because they want you to believe that evil is just as strong, if not stronger, than God. That's an absolute lie. It only works when they gaslight you here. So that's the greatest trick the devil ever pulled, getting you to think there is a devil. That's your ego pulling the trick on you because you're the devil. The only evil is within you, me, and everyone else, period. You can't make someone who's evil not be evil. That's a choice they made. They have that choice. You have that free choice by God. So, But the, the apocalypse in that story is the same plagues. Okay, and what are the plagues? I didn't talk about that in Genesis because I'm going to talk about it here because I'm already 24 minutes, 26 minutes into the show, right? So the plagues, think about that. Locusts, uh, they talk about, and then a lot of times they talk about the flies that they don't talk about a lot in the plagues. Uh, but the locusts, where, where does that come from? That's the verbalization. That's this chakra in your throat, right? You always see that in all the movies. The person always opens their mouth. Ah! Out from their mouth comes locusts or flies or something other hideous, right? That's that chakra. The, the wrath of God is speaking through you. Do you understand? So that's so when Moses and the, the plagues of locusts hit, everybody says, "Oh, well, that was just a uh, that was just a volcano that erupted and that caused all of that to happen, right?" Okay, so if you want, you can say, "Well, that's weird." That the, you could say, sure, okay, just like the parting of the Red Sea was, you know, the planet Nibiru, which is bullshit because there is no planet Nibiru. Okay, but it was a, a meteor. I've seen the study, and I know that a meteor went flying by the Earth, really close to the Earth, one that was almost a planet killer, global killer, and uh, it literally disrupted a lot of shit in our in our solar system. But it went so close that its gravitational pull. Literally, they were at low tide. The gravitational pull uh, actually split the, the Red Sea right there. Okay, but now, is that designed by God or what? You know what I mean? Moses goes to the only place on the planet at the only time in history when something flies by so close it splits the Red Sea so they can escape and stays open long enough for Ramses to get out there in the middle of it and then crashes down and kills almost his entire army. Oh, well, there's no definitive proof that that really happened, Leo, and they probably made that up. So somebody happened to be fishing there and saw that happen and said, I got a great fucking idea. I got a really fucking good idea. I think we need to say God did this and th this whole scenario and make up the entire Jewish people being missing out of, out of Jerusalem and that entire area of the peninsula and gone for a couple of generations that just show up and say, we just did this. And they told everybody, this is the biggest lie we're going to tell the entire race. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of you. We all got to get our story straight. This is what happened to us. Because we were fishing over there and saw that happening. Everybody will fucking buy it. We're the chosen race because of it. Okay, so I don't buy that. That's why I also don't buy that when they say the Romans invented Jesus. Why? Because the apocalypse is at the end of that book. The Exodus is at the beginning, and it's at the beginning of the Hebrew Bible. Not the very beginning, because the very beginning is, you know, the whole let there be light in the creation story. So when people say that it was just created by the Romans, they couldn't have fucking known. And let me tell you why. The letters to the churches, if you read them, and when you read the first letter to the first church, you go to the base root red ray chakra of the human and everything else on the entire in the entire universe 
including the rainbow, that you see only by a, a crystal being shined through a water, something that's crystalline, and, and the sunlight being refracted through that, and it separates them into the colors that you can see in those bands. The red ray root chakra is church number one. There are seven churches, seven major arcana, seven major chakras. Okay, and that's counting the crown chakra, which is outside of your head. And if you read those, and you, and then at the end of every single one, and or at the beginning, it says, in the end, especially the he who, or or you know, you know, he who has the ear, let them hear. So why would there be in this revelation, this apocalypse? Why would there be letters to churches? Well, it's because it's warning the churches. No, it is warning you that if you're not upright. You can't ascend. And if you're not, if you don't fix that chakra, and here's how. And they tell you, those who heed these words that I say will be venerated in heaven for it. And each one is the same, not the same message, but the same uh, ultimate message. He who has the ears, let them hear. And the meaning, it's esoteric. And if you have the understanding, you'll figure it out. So every single one of the letters to the churches is telling you how, is the ascension, is telling you how to. Uh, take that kundalini energy and and uh, uh, open up your chakras and crystallize your chakras and balance them so that you are upright. You're not leaning like our planet at 23.3 degrees and right yourself. And when you do that, the kundalini energy can then flow through you and that unlocks your third eye and then unlocks your crown chakra and then the one above that. And then you become your higher self and your higher, higher self and your higher, higher, higher self or however many there are. Okay. so. Yes, they all grandmasters do. They did, and they still do. Janet says, I'm going to put this up. Grandmasters before knew about the chakras. Yes. And if you look at the, it's still taught and always has been in, in the Far East. That's where most of that comes from is either from the Far East where you have, uh, you know, you have the Hindi, Hinduism, uh, and you have the, the Shakti, and, and, and you have uh, the, the uh, Buddha, and the Tao Te Ching, but you also see that integrated into the Celtic uh, way of life with the Druids and the and the Wiccans and the pagans. Um, uh, the, but that's it. There's really not that many religions who talk about that. It's just the the literally the Southern Vikings because they were integrated. They were they conquered the whole known uh, uh, world. They know this now that Norwegian DNA or what we call Scandinavian DNA, which is a hodgepodge of all the Viking DNAs up there in the north, uh, literally conquered the known world before the Greeks did. And uh, they also say that the original uh, Aborigines, the original, original people, Native Americans now, since 2015, since they found a female who was older than any other skeletal remains, she was actually European, not Caucasian. I hate that when people say, are you Caucasian? No, I do not have any Asian blood in me. I am not a mix between uh, European and Asian DNA at all, just like I have no African DNA. Okay? I do not. I've gone to the Ancestry.com and had them check my DNA. My DNA is, is 90, uh, 90% European, Northern, Western, and Southern Europe. Okay? I have three to five percent Native American and three to five percent what they call uh, Greek Roman. Okay, so somebody there was there was somebody messing with somebody. Probably the English blood that's in me, the woad in me, has some of the 
Hadrian's Wall time period when the Greek Romans were there. And then when my people got here to California, picked up, or the or the Spaniard part of me picked up the native part uh, when the Spanish, because I can trace my DNA to Spain as well, royalty in Spain and royalty in Ireland and royalty in in uh, Wales, and then uh, it's what they call Scandinavian, right? But I have no African DNA, and I have no Asian DNA. Okay, so. My people never made it to all the way that far east, at least the DNA that I am. We didn't go through the land bridge to come to America. We came the other way on a boat. Okay, so the letters to the churches is aligning the chakras and the rest of the story of that apocalypse, of that revelation. Is Think about the word revelation. Revelation means an idea. Oh, no, look at this. This is something new. It's a revelation. So why would they pick that word for the apocalypse? It's just some other places change that name. Why? Because they were trying to eradicate the vision in your mind of a revelation, something to revel. Do you understand? Do you understand? Do you get that? Do you perceive that? So they changed it to apocalypse because that has what well, that word doesn't mean anything about waking up or being illuminated in any way. Another reason that things were changed in the in the Bible. Okay, so all of that is the ascension. So just those two, the beginning, not the very beginning, because the very beginning is the creation, but even the creation story, if you read that creation story, it's literally based on the Mesopotamian uh, uh, creation story or the Babylonian creation story. And all of them are, are basically the same as that. And see, they, everybody says that that one's the oldest one because they never want to give the Vikings credit for anything, ever. Vikings discovered America 2,000 years before uh, Columbus. But America wasn't America until Christopher Columbus got here. Why? Because the Spanish wanted to have claim to it, and so did the Europeans. Okay, but the Vikings were already here long before that, long before that. And not just on the East Coast, either. I lived in Arizona. The Vikings were there. I live in California right now, about 100 miles away from Lake Tahoe. And there's literally a fort in Lake Tahoe that's called Valhalla that was built by the Vikings when they occupied America. You can go there as a tourist and see it. Okay? That's not a joke. So in Lake Tahoe, at Lake Tahoe, which is on the border of California and, and Nevada, there is a fort that is a couple of thousand years old that the fucking Vikings built. And when I was in Arizona, there's also places in Arizona, okay, that the Vikings had had planted and, and claimed the entire country. They had already explored the entire United States, including Canada. Not a joke. You can look this up, okay? One of the, you should read Valhalla Rising, or was it just called Valhalla? No, it was Valhalla Rising. Uh, and it was about the Vikings coming here in waves, just like the Irish did when they uh, invaded Ireland. And the first wave got murdered, and the second wave came and went and wreaked havoc on the Native Americans. And that's why they were leery of uh, Europeans when uh, when uh, Columbus got here. And then when Columbus got here and started doing the same thing, murdering, raping, and pillaging, they just knew those people were nothing but warmongers, which they were. Right? Yeah, yeah see? Right? Ariel said, I found out that I have some Viking in me, thanks to Leo, because I, I talked to her and, and I told her what to look for, because just looking at her, you can tell she's Viking, right? So, okay. So 
those two books, and now you have to remember that the apocalypse is part of the of the uh, Jesus canon. It's part of the Christian canon. So if it was invented and it's a lie, then that means that, that the revelation is a lie, which would uh, also say that the Exodus, which the Hebrews have, is also a lie. Because revelations and the Exodus are the exact same parable, the exact same story being parabled. Do you understand? And, they, and then uh, the crucifixion of Jesus is, is also the same. It's exactly the same. And if you look at any Catholic church, they still have what they call the Beatitudes or gestations that you can pray at that go from Jesus's birth and all everything in his entire life until his death and resurrection, which you end up at the font where you become baptized. And then you end up back at the, at the papacy where Jesus is crucified above the papacy still because they didn't take him off the cross and just have a cross. You know, that they Catholics believe that you don't worship an idol. Right. So all the other Christians who say the Catholics are crazy and they worship idols, they're worshiping a cross with Jesus's body on it because they worship Jesus. All the other Christians are worshiping the cross that they say Jesus was on, but they don't worship Jesus. They worship the cross. So if anybody is worshiping idols, it's not the Catholics. They're still worshiping Jesus Christ. Everybody else is worshiping the piece of wood he was nailed to. Think about that. And I'm not saying that just because I was baptized Catholic. I'm saying that because the reason I was baptized Catholic was because I saw that. and said, wait a minute, they're still worshiping Jesus and Mary, both Marys, Mother Mary and, and Mary Magdalene. And everybody else is worshiping a piece of wood, and then they don't even make it of wood anymore. Now it's a metal thing that's on the wall or plastic. And it's just a cross. And they're like, oh, the Catholics are crazy. They worship saints. They don't worship saints. They venerate saints. They look at people who do miracles. And they go, those people did miracles, and they should be remembered for it. That doesn't mean that they worship them. See, that's the division that is the the uh, uh, the uh, opposition that is in both, creating dissension and going, those people don't know what they're talking about. We're the right choice. Because they want your fucking money. That's why religion is bullshit. That's why I left. Okay. So at least those two stories, and I'm sure that most every other story, and I'm going to go back. I have, you know, I have the... I have the 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 canon right here. This is the 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 uh, the uh, Hebrew version with the Old Testament and the New Testament, and of course this is the one that's the footnote uh, um, one that gives you all the all the things to sound smart when you're preaching to a crowd and people think, wow, our pastor knows the Bible. No, he's just reading the Bible that gives him other passages and th- that reference what he's talking about because it's all written down for him. It's a cheat sheet for teachers. It's no joke. Anybody who who sits there and can quote the Bible um, like that all the time, I'll start questioning and test them, which they do, as a matter of fact, when you're a knight. To get knighted, you get questioned. There's a freaking, they put all of you and you're blindfolded and they call your number. You each have a number uh, and you're completely blindfolded. You don't even know who you're talking to. And they're asking, they ask questions. That's no joke. So you got to be serious. You actually have to know the Bible to, to actually become a knight in the in the Roman Catholic Church. You can't just show up and go, I want to be a knight. It's a way of life, and it takes a while for you to get, uh, you have to be invited to be knighted, by as a matter of fact. No more robber knights allowed. No more egoic crap. Okay, so. Well, see, it, it, Jeanette says, uh, people since the beginning believed in, in some god or, uh, you know, or uh, something to worship. Yeah, well, that, it, that's that's the pro. See, there. Here's the story, uh, real quick, and then I'm going to get back into the law of one and start playing. But here's when I was at uh, the church. I was at St. Catherine of Siena in Martinez, California, and the pastor there, the father, 
head head priest that was there at the time was Neil Clemens. He was the priest that baptized me. My last name being O'Neill and his first name being Neil was kind of ironic, right? That's what you call ironic. Anyway, uh, so I was there assisting, and we were taking uh, people on a tour of the church, uh, and some people were just interested because they are new to the church, and other people just like doing that. And some people were wondering if they wanted to come to that church and start going there. So we met, and there was all these people, in there, and we were going to show them the Beatitudes and walk them around the church. Before we did that, one of the parishioners said, Father Neil, I'm so glad that you're here uh, for your, your people. And he said, um, I don't do anything. The only reason I'm here is because you need me. And, of course, they were all, like, taken aback. What? And he says, I, you know what? There, I, you guys, some humans need another human being to lead them because that's what they look for. They look for a leader to lead them. And this is the same. Uh, and, and as for God, uh, if we, there was an Englishman, I don't know who it was, but he was very wise. And he had said once, if there was no God, we humans would have invented one because of what you're saying. It is part of our DNA. There is a part of our DNA that they claim was made because we're a penal colony. Um, and that but we're supposed to worship a God and look to a God or someone to lead us. That way evil can lead us and we follow the evil when evil shows up. Now, evil usurped that idea, telling a little truth with many lies. Is it in our DNA to where we, we are driven to? Yes, that's part of our, of, of our instincts. Our instincts are to find out what has been availed from us. So subconsciously, we know, not because there's a DNA thing that says you have to believe in a God. We know that we are subconsciously, but we've been veiled on purpose. So if without that drive for us to move forward, nobody would be interested in trying to figure that out. That's the hardest fucking road you can go on is the spiritual path. No one chooses that road. Okay, I can't say no one. But only about 10 to 15% of the entire human population ever would choose that road if they didn't, if it wasn't in any way something for them to do or for them to learn so they could. If they didn't know in some way, and if you're veiled, there has to be an instinct that drives you to try and learn knowledge. Do you understand? Otherwise, you're not going to. If there's no drive and wanting for knowledge, you're not going to look for it. Do you see? So there has to be something that is in our psyche in some way that drives us to ask questions. Otherwise, we all just kind of sit around and no one asks any questions. And then you're going to get mad at people. Why are you asking me front questions, bro? What is your what is your deal? What's your angle? Nobody asks questions around here. We just are, man. Right? Nothing would ever get done. Nobody would ever ascend. And then you, no one would have the experience that we were sent here to actually fucking have. So that's why I call bullshit on that. That's not that this is not a penal colony that was set up by three-dimensional people beings and they're locking souls in here, or even outside that four-dimensional, five-dimensional, and they're grabbing a pure light and locking you into a body down here and erasing your memory by zapping you, right? So you can you can uh, your immortal soul they're claiming can be killed. Your immortal soul can be damaged to where you don't remember anything and they can zap you with electricity and that will that will short out your immortal immortal soul 
So then you that see right there, if you buy into that, then you have to buy into that you're not immortal. Because that's the only way that that can happen. If you're imperfect to where, well, my memory's not mortal. I'm just mortal and I can't die, but my memory can. That's bullshit. That was made up by people who want you to fucking think they own you and that, they're, that you're in their prison. When you're only in a prison of your own mind. And you're only in that prison as long as you want to be. That's not a joke. The second you don't want to be in that prison, then you're, then you're uh, uh, yeah, right? 100%. This is, this is so learning. Yes. That is what we're here for. Learning. We're here to learn and, and to, uh, to expand our minds and then to ascend. And the only way we can do that is through that. That's why that everything they do keeps you in a low vibration. All the food they feed you keeps you sickly because then you're not upright. You're not in, in harmony with yourself and your temple. That's why Jesus talked about everything, not just Jesus, but every place. They talk about the human body as the temple. It's a parable to your your pain body and your spiritual mind. That's why raw refers to us as a, a you know a mind spirit complex, right? Spirit mind complex, and then the spirit mind complex totality is all that is one, which is you. Do you understand? Okay. So. Yeah. Okay. So wait a minute. I'm going back up to what to what uh, Julie said. Then she's talking to Denise, right? See, I'm, there's you guys are having conversations, and I'm not even seeing that. But Julie said, Denise uh, depends on which age Ra was uh, one of many. Yes, depending on who was the king, right? Uh, and Ra was uh, Egyptian at one point when Akhenaten uh, took his name Akhenaten, uh, which means a uh, 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 sun god uh, or the one. Um, the reason Akhenaten uh, changed the religion at the time, Ra talks about that because Ra taught them the law of one. Okay. And yes, right? <laughs> Allison and, and Allison Hayward, Jesus we know as well, right? Jesus we know, right? As well as after. Leo has talked about that in different shows. Yes, I have. Different times and stories about the same lesson through uh, different ages uh, with different names. And that's the hero with a thousand faces that Joseph Campbell wrote his book, which is like this thick uh, about. And that's where I talk about all the scrolls, every single creation story from anywhere on the planet, including the Viking creation story is the exact same uh, story uh, in, in that the uh, Hebrew Bible was in, in fact, the people in history believe the Hebrews when they wrote their Bible borrowed the Mesopotamian scroll and and use that for their creation. All the stories are the same. All the creation stories are the same. Very similar. The only difference I've talked about this many times. The only difference is uh, whether you have a monotheistic male god, monotheistic female god, uh, god goddess like the Vikings had a god goddess, or you are above that and had an androgynous being as your creator. That's that's the only thing that was changed. So Christianity follows the Hebrew religion, which was there was only one god. Uh, and and that was a male dom, male god, and the feminine is nothing and diminished. It's a warlike god. All cultures, your your position in the world is directly related to whether you have a warlike or a not. You can have the Celts had a female goddess, but they were warlike. But it was a monotheistic. She was the one that was immortal, and the god died and then was reborn. 
uh, every year and then grew up and died. He only lived for one year. She was immortal. Uh, and so that was a warlike uh, 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 ideology. Christianity and Hebrew and, and, uh, and uh, the Hebrew religion, Christianity and Muslim were all based on the same, which is one monotheistic male warlike God. Um, that's why that is very warlike. And then if you look at most religions are uh, based on war because they're the ones who survive. That's why if you look at the Hindu religion, the same thing. Uh, most of their gods are men, uh, and the ones that are in charge are men, and they tell about the war of the gods. Uh, Mike said, who was Joseph when he was in Egypt? Uh, which Joseph are we talking about <laughs> in what time period? Right? Who was Joseph when he was in Egypt? So that depends on which Joseph. Are we talking about Joseph of Arimathea? Are we talking about Joseph, uh, you know, so it depends on, on who, when, at what time. So, uh, but, but some of them had other names, and this is what Mike is referring to. That's why I said, uh, that's why I said Peter, Paul, because there was a Peter who was, uh, who was, uh, 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 you know, uh, and so Peter the Hebrew, well, he was Peter the Hebrew, I understand. Okay, so um, I don't remember what was his name. Was he, he wasn't Constantine. Um, but I can't think, or maybe he was, no, he wasn't because Constantine was supposed to be, uh, different. Um, uh, was he pilot? He was one of those guys. Uh, but then he got his name, Christians, they give you a name. Like I was baptized Leo, right. And, and Gabriel I have two names. I was baptized as both. Uh, so you have a given name and you have a Christian name. And that's why one of the guys whose name was Paul became Peter. And another guy became Peter Paul. Uh, and another guy was was Peter and became Paul and Paul became Peter. So, uh, you know, <laughs> just, and if you're Catholic, most of the women who are, who are Hispanic, their names are Mary, uh, after, after mother Mary or Holy Mary or, or Mary Magdalene. Um, so there's many different names and I don't remember, I'll be honest with you, Mike, if you know the answer to that, uh, throw it up there. Cause I'm not sure what, who he was at the time. Um, Peter said roaring in the dynasty BC and he is, Betrayed, who can he at this? He were uh, come on, inspiration. He's talking into his phone and it's not typing exactly what he's saying. Now, uh, roar spelling is not good, right? Yeah, <laughs> so so I, I'm not sure what he's trying to say. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Peter, he's talking to his phone, and for whatever reason, his accent I'm not sure what it is. His phone isn't uh, isn't giving him a lot of uh, of good typing today on, on there. And, and I, I don't think you can send a voice clip in here, can you, right? So Allison, or so Julie, Julie says, Allison, that's, uh, that's where I have uh, issues, right? Cain called Abel and was marked on the forehead so others would know his sin. If Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel were, see, there's, again, the story of Adam and Eve is a, a story of ascension as well and opening the third eye. Um, we can go into that if you like, <laughs> right? Uh, Cain and Abel, the same. That was the story of which wolf do you feed? That's, you know, the Cain killed Abel, and that whole thing is, uh, is uh, one was egoic and one wasn't. Uh, and so he listened to his ego and murdered his brother. Same, it's the dichotomy again of, of your chakras and the balance and being upright or not, right? So um, so that so even that, again, the, the story of Adam and Eve and uh, biting the fruit and learning the knowledge. And what was the knowledge? The knowledge was the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, but in the Bible, it just says they learned that they were naked, 
in front of the Lord. They don't tell you the rest of that because they don't want you knowing that that's what they learned. They learned the knowledge. Mike and I talked about this on the show. They learned the knowledge of good and evil. So it was the opening of the third eye to be able to see the, the world for what it really is and see the universe for what it really is. Uh, and unfortunately, learning that tilted the planet, right? It still wasn't just them, but it was around that time when they had the War of the Gods and the scroll uh, that's in the uh, the uh, Kilburn Bible. Uh, and uh, that talks about the the uh, meteor strike and the and the planet being shifted off its axis and flipping over and flipping back up. And Homer talked about that. So the Romans knew about it as well as the Egyptians. And that left the planet wobbling and we're slightly off at an angle of 23.3, which is what uh, Gary Osborne talked about on Ancient Aliens Worldwide. Right. The pole shift. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I understand. Okay, so so Ariel said that uh, she was answering her question because she was wondering, wasn't sure if Adam and Eve were before the cavemen, right? See, now there's a good question too, right? Uh, because there's been seven, uh, seven times, you know, uh, and people are starting to say that now and realize, you know, that we're we're in this uh, seventh generation. That's where you get that seventh son, the son of a seventh son thing. We're uh, and it's not a generation of like me and my father, my grandfather, and my father. It's the seven. Seven cycles of destruction of the entire human race down to a minimal population of 20, 30, 40, maybe 100,000, if that. And we're in the seventh cycle of that. This is the seventh time that we've had. So the deluge that everybody talks about, the flood, that was just the, the one, the sixth time that the world was destroyed. And we are now the seventh rising. So we're the seventh son of the seventh son of a seventh son. We are in a, in a, in a perpetuation, a perpetual cycle. Of, of destruction, rebirth, and life. And, and that's just normal, and people need to realize that. It. It's not some nefarious thing out there trying to kill off the human race at all. It's a reset because everybody gets taken up. Everybody graduates. And so there's a reset, and new people come in, or the ones that are here that are not ready to graduate, and then they repopulate, and new souls come in as they move from the first to the second and into the third. And that's what the whole law of one is about. Let's get into that because we're now an hour into, and I have it 55 minutes. I haven't played any of the law of one. So let me pull this up here, and then we'll go over here, and we're going to uh, start with this. But I wanted to get that across. So for anybody who came in and they, they got pissed off because I was talking about what I was talking about, this actually pertains to everything in the first two weeks we've done this. And this is week three, and we're on question 3.6. And we're going to uh, also, you'll see as we go here, Everything I just said to you, you're going to start getting this better than you would have had I not explained the stuff that I explained to you just now. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and go into full screen over here, uh, and uh, we'll start this at question 3.6, okay? Question 3.6. Questioner, at the last session, we had two questions that we were saving for this session. One having to do with the possible capstone on top of the Great Pyramid at Giza. The other having to do with how you move the heavy blocks that make up the pyramid. I know these questions are of no importance with respect to the law of one, but it was my judgment, and please correct me if I am wrong, and make the necessary suggestions that this will provide an easy entry for the for those who would read the material that will eventually become a book 
We are very grateful for your contact and will certainly take any suggestions as to how we should receive this information. Answer, I am Ra. I will not suggest a proper series of questions. This is your prerogative as free agent of the law of one having learned understood that our social memory complex cannot effectually discern the distortions of the societal mind, body, spirit complex of your peoples. We wish now to fulfill our teach slash learning honor slash responsibility by answering what is asked. This only will suffice for we cannot plumb the depths of the distortion complexes which infect your peoples. The first question, therefore, is the capstone. We iterate the unimportance of this type of data. The so-called Great Pyramid had two capstones. One was of our design and was of smaller and carefully contrived pieces of the material upon your planet which you call, granite. This was contrived for crystalline properties and for the proper flow of your atmosphere via a type of what you would call, chimney. At a time when we as a people had left your density, the original was taken away and a more precious one substituted. It consisted, in part, of a golden material. This did not change the properties of the pyramid, as you call it, at all, and was a distortion due to the desire of a few to mandate the use of the structure as a royal place only. Do you wish to query further upon this first question? Question three points. See, I wanted to point out right there that Ra said uh, it did not change the properties of the pyramid as you call it. So they didn't even call it a pyramid. And they built it. We're the ones who coined the phrase pyramid. Okay. So I wanted to point that out, right? This did not change the properties of the pyramid, as you call it, at all. I just want to point out that, that Ross said that. So we call it a pyramid because of the, that's what we named that shape, right? To them, it, it, the shape is inconsequential other than the, um, well, it is, but the measurements uh, and the angles of that and the placement on the planet is more important than the name of the structure itself. Do you understand? That's what that means. All right, let's continue. Seven. Questioner, what did you mean by chimney? What was its specific purpose? Ra, there is a proper flow of your atmosphere which, though small, freshens the whole of the structure. This was designed by having airflow ducts as this instrument might call them, situated so that there was a freshness of atmosphere without any disturbance or draught. Question 3.8. Questioner, how were the blocks moved? Answer, I am Ra. You must picture the activity within all that is created. The energy is, though finite, quite large compared to the understanding distortion of your peoples. This is an obvious point well known to your peoples, but little considered. This energy is intelligent. It is hierarchical. Much as your mind, body, spirit complex dwells within an hierarchy of vehicles and retains, therefore, the shell, or shape, or field, and the intelligence of each ascendingly intelligent or balanced body, so does each atom of such a material as rock. When one can speak to that intelligence, the finite energy of the physical, or chemical, rock body is put into contact with that infinite power which is resident in the more well-tuned bodies be they human or rock so i wanted to point out right there that he talked about right there he was showing the comparison between the human body right and the intelligence that you gain the infinite energy right when one can speak to the intelligence 
the finite energy of the physical or the chemical rock slash body, right? So in, in balance, once you, he's referring to knowing or, or, or assuming that people understand that or, or you know, understand, uh, perceive the fact that if you balance all of your chakras and you are as one upright and in tune with not just nature, but all of the universe by doing so, that that unlocks infinite wisdom, infinite uh, power, infinite energy. And so he says that there, right, where it, uh, the intelligence, the, the finite energy of the physical or chemical rock body is put into contact with the infinite power. There's that three, six, and nine energy again going to 12. And then you becoming the one, that's the 13. So you were going from 12. It doesn't go three plus three plus three plus three. It's not three times five is 15. It's three times four is 12. And then if you open, that's the third eye opening and you moving to the crown chakra place, which is the queen's chamber. Do you see? And then when you unlock that, you unlock the infinite wisdom, the infinite power of infinity. And this is what he's saying right there. And that the rock, by, by making contact with the spirit, the soul, because everything is alive and has an immortal soul, everything, doesn't matter what it is. So by, by contacting the soul itself, that's hence the become the spoon in the matrix. How do you do that? Become the spoon. Because, you, because then you are in contact, and as one... Because you are the same. You are one with the rock, with the spoon, with each other, with the mountain, with the planet, with the universe. And you can only transcend that knowledge after you go to the queen's chamber and then move above that. The queen's chamber is opening the third eye. You have to have the balance of the kundalini energy, which is the male-female, the war and peace, love and hate. Okay, that's the yin and the yang. That is that is the dichotomy that is trying to be taught to you here is to utilize the energies of light and darkness. That's only the only place light and darkness takes any effect in the entire universe is to our soul in this place. And I don't mean just on Earth. I mean in in the third dimension. That that's it. Doesn't do it prior to that. Doesn't do it after that. It's only in the place where time is a constant and there is past and there's a present and there's a future. Why? All of that had to happen so that we could have a mortal life and believe we're in a mortal body having mortal experiences. Why? Because we were bored as the creator and we don't know what mortality is. So we invented mortality after we invented the universe. Then we invented mortality in it. And then we invented parts of ourselves and created ourselves as an individual entity separate from each other to have individual experiences as a mortal. And that means literally as anything and everything. Do you see? All right, I'm going to continue. With this connection made, a request may be given. The intelligence of infinite rockness communicates to its physical vehicle and that splitting and moving which is desired is then carried out through the displacement of the energy field of rockness from finity to a dimension which we may conveniently call, simply, infinity. 
in this way, that which is required is accomplished due to a cooperation of the infinite understanding of the Creator indwelling in the living rock. This is, of course, the mechanism by which many things are accomplished which are not subject to your present means of physical analysis of action at a distance. Question 3.9 Questioner, I am reminded of the statement, approximately, that if you had faith to move a mountain, the mountain would move. This seems to be approximately what you were saying. That if you are fully aware of the law of one, you would be able to do these things. Is that correct? Answer, I am Ra. The vibratory distortion of sound, faith, is perhaps one of the stumbling blocks between those of what we may call the infinite path and those of the finite proving understanding. You are precisely correct in your understanding of the congruency of faith and intelligent infinity, however one is a spiritual term, the other more acceptable perhaps to the conceptual framework distortions of those who seek with measure and pen. See, so there he referred to the Bible and when Jesus said that if you had faith, in one ounce of faith, you could literally move mountains. And, uh, of course, raw being snarky, they're snarky raw, for those of you uh, who uh, are new to this. <laughs> those of you who've, who've gone through this before with me, there was snarky raw going, yes, you're on to the concurrency of that. However, uh, that exact uh, uh, uh way you said that is more for those who are, you know, uh, putting pen to paper, basically looking for writing shit down, just like our society is where um, nobody is a professional unless some dude or somebody uh, created a, a what they call a seal, a stamp that they stamp the paper with uh, and then scribble their name on there. Uh, and you, I could make one of those up, make my own stamp and scribble some name on there. And no one would ever know this, the difference that it was just faked. And then I just made that up. But everybody would go, oh, he has a license. Look at that. Where'd that come from? Right? Do you see? But then if you, of course, look that up, somebody goes as far as to look that up, uh, then they'll find out whether or not you're telling the truth. But 99.99% of everybody would probably never question that much and go, let me take a picture of that seal and that signature and see if that's on file somewhere. Right. But that's what he was saying. So he's being snarky, saying, well, you know, that's really more for, you know, pen and paper, but it's snarky raw. Right. Julie, I love that. Right. <laughs> Still waiting for a snarky raw t shirt. I know. Right. I'm going to have to make one. You guys watch. If I do, I'm going to take a picture of it. I'll, I'll wear it and snarky raw. Right. I, and then I'll, it'll be like, you know, question. You know, I'll put a, one of the questions on there and then I'll put answer. I am raw. No. <laughs> and then I'll put snarky raw or I'll just put get a hat. Right. Probably both. I'm going to have to do both. I love it. I'm going to do it. OK, I'm going to continue. Question 3.10. Questioner, then if an individual is totally informed with respect to the law of one and lives the law of one, then such things as the building of the pyramids by direct mental effort would be commonplace as that what I am to understand. Answer, I am Ra. You are incorrect in that there is a distinction between the individual power through the law of one and the combined, or societal memory complex mind, body, spirit understanding of the law of one. In the first case only the one individual, purified of all flaws, could move a mountain. In the case of mass understanding of unity, each individual may contain an acceptable amount of distortion and yet the mass mind could move mountains. 
The progress is normally from the understanding which you now seek to a dimension of understanding which is governed by the laws of love and which seeks the laws of light. Those who are vibrating with the law of light seek the law of one. Those who vibrate with the law of one seek the law of foreverness. We cannot say what is beyond this dissolution of the unified self with all that there is, for we still seek to become all that there is, and still are we are. Thus our paths go onward. Okay, so I wanted to stop there because uh, that is a, an important impasse right there that Ra was talking about, right? Those who are uh, vibrating with the law of light seek the law of one. Those who are vibrating with the law of one seek the law of foreverness. So that, so what, what he said there and before that, what he was saying was that you're mistaking and blurring the line between an individual having faith enough to move mountains or an entire high mind complex, meaning the entire species, right? So that's because we as individuals are the microcosm to the macrocosm. So can one person move an entire mountain? No, because the entire species knows that mountain's there because it's on a map and we're all holding it in that place. So you'd be fighting against everyone. However, like that hurricane that was uh, that was coming in a, a couple of years ago that would, that ended up going over the Bahamas and then stalling out the very first hurricane in the history of tracking hurricanes that stopped moving and just stayed still for a, like uh, a day and then and then started moving again never happened scientists saw that and said we don't understand it other scientists saw that and said there was a great call on the all over the internet worldwide for everyone to turn that to the north and to the east so that it wouldn't go straight up because it was supposed to go straight up Florida from the Keys all the way straight up and then stay inland and wreak havoc across the entire northern uh, continent of North America uh, on the east coast and move all the way up through Canada before it turned uh, to the east. And everyone that, that put energy into, and we called for this, and I passed it around and, and made, uh, you know, groups get together, uh, you know, either meditating or praying or whatever you want to call it. And we also uh, believed at the time, and some, you know, rightly so it looked like, that someone was trying to control that as well to do damage. And we know that there was, and knew there was opposition to where some there was a group of, of evil people who were hoping and wanting and directing that to destroy millions of people on the eastern seaboard, the entire eastern seaboard of the United States and Canada. And that didn't happen, unfortunately. It would, when everyone got a hold of it and the fight began, it was over the Bahamas, and it sat over the Bahamas for quite a while, almost an entire day, I believe. And the entire time it was slightly moving towards uh, Florida and then being pushed north and east and then trying to move west again towards Florida and be, and you could track it in real time. And we did. So it was on the regular national news afterwards. And people were coming on and saying that the human race did that. Okay. That we're learning as a species that when we all put our minds to something, we can control the weather. We can control reality. We can create. Drumvalo Molchizedek, who is now 
uh, in Sedona, Arizona, and won't, at least last I heard, and he won't talk to any more scientists, was working with scientists until he realized they were trying to weaponize the knowledge that he knew and that they were proving that if you, you can, your chakras, when you, when you balance your chakras perfectly, they start to crystallize. You as a being start to crystalline. And there's many people out there who have many examples on uh, on uh, uh, YouTube and all over Facebook where they where they show that you know when you see the the uh, um, the movies I forget the name of them the one with the, you know the vampires and the and the werewolves uh, where they were all teenagers and and you had the you know the werewolves and the and the vampires the vampires were would go, would glisten in the sunlight all of the vampires would burn up in the sunlight in the history of all vampires but these vampires in those movies. Uh, were uh, would would you know glisten like as if they were crystalline, and that was probably a little bit more true to balancing the chakras than not, because I know people that have literally taken their tear ducts and and pulled out tears from their tear duct and shown it uh, and and there's little crystals and the sweat glands in their hands, the same thing. So when you balance your chakras, they start to crystalline, they start to become crystal. So they're so they're they're very aligned and very in tune. A lot of energy can flow through them. Do you see? And that's what he's talking about here. So as an individual, you probably couldn't move a, a storm or a mountain. But if all of us decided the mountain was on the other side of of the valley, it would be there because we all are co-creators. That's the three, six, nine, twelve information. So the only reason that there's borders or anything is still in place is because we we are holding it there. If you've ever read a map, you've decided, yeah, that's the world. You're convinced that's the world. That means that all the continents are where they are. The moon is where it is. The seas are doing what they're doing. And we're holding that every day. Sun comes up in the east and sets in the west. We're holding that, making it so. The planet is spinning because we are using our energy to make it happen. It's not spinning by itself. And the gravitational pull is is directly related to the spirituality of a planet by people being on it. That's why you don't hear scientists talk about what gravity is, because they don't know. It has to do with three, six, and nine. It has to do with as below, so above. Not as below, as above, so below. That's a lie. That's the lie that tells you there's somebody above you that's in control and it's not you. That's why they say it that way. And then that's why they say, as without, so within, because, again, someone else is telling you what to do and how to be. And that's not true. And, and, and you can read that in the Christian Bible. It's in Matthew. Where it says in there, and I'm not quoting because I'm not reading it uh, word for word, but what you sow on earth, I shall too sow in heaven. What you reap on earth, I shall too reap in heaven. So God is saying, you're in charge. We are in charge. What you see as heaven, I will make in heaven. Do you see? So not, I am God, I am in charge, I have a heaven for you, and it's what I tell you it is. Not do as I say, not as I do. Not do this or else. That's all bullshit and a lie. Say, you, we have the power of creation. But he's telling you that only comes through love. And that's what what uh, Drumvalo Melchizedek figured out, is that creation is through love. Creation, the word of God, is logos. That's the most ancient word 
for that word, and that's a Greek word, and it literally means love. Okay, so the word of God is love. So Jesus was the word of God, so Jesus is the love of God. So the only way that we can create the universe or co-create the universe is through love. If we don't love, we have no creation in us. So if you only love yourself and not anyone else, then you're apart from and separated from the one or the collective consciousness of the universe itself. Therefore, I don't love anybody but me, so I'm above and hold myself above everyone else. And because of that, you have no power to create. You can only destroy and control and manipulate. And that is what's happening on this planet by evil people. Okay? Narcissism, to be narcissistic, is evil. To, to think of yourself before everyone else is evil. You have to think of yourself in some respect because you have to take care of yourself because no one else is going to take care of you. So you have to kind of take care of yourself because otherwise no one's going to take care of you. You can eat shit and howl at the moon and do what they tell you to do and be sickly and low vibration and not have a third eye open and you'll never get anywhere and you won't graduate. And you'll just be stuck here and that's kind of what's happened. Okay. Um, tell me what time on Sunday, right? You said on Sundays, just let me know what time, Ariel, and I'll, I'll be on there. So, so that, that, so we have to realize that we, first of all, you have to realize you're the part of the creation. That's what Ra is talking about here. And then showing Dawn, the questioner, teaching, teaching moment, the difference between individual spiritualism and collective spiritualism. So those who are seeking the law of one would be the individual, right? And then once you become one with your uh, collective consciousness, then as a collective, you start, right? You start then looking uh, at the law of, of foreverness, infinite wisdom, infinite love, infinite power, infinity itself. Do you see? So, but first you have to you have to understand. You have to be a light seeker, seeking the light, love and light, and that's the law of one. Once you then get the and understand and understand and get it in your into your soul, the law of one. That means what? The law of one means loving other people, being the difference between uh, in service to others and in service to self. And you choose a path of in service to others, and that is the law of one. The law of one, not just being there is one true God and Muhammad is his prophet, as the as the Muslims would say, or there is only one true God and Jesus is his prophet, as the Christians would say. Or there is only one true God in Elijah, as the Hebrews would say. Okay, it's not a monotheistic male dominated, some old dude with a gray beard. I'm an old dude with a gray beard. I'm in my 50s, and I have a gray beard if I grow. And you guys have seen my pictures two years ago or a year and a half ago. I had a long beard. Actually, I think it was just this year, right? Yeah, I did. I shaved it off this year. So I had the long beard. I, what was I, God? No. Although I was a lot like Gandalf the Gray. Right? <laughs> right? So, it's, but that's not God. And that's the problem in the, in the usurpation and corruption of uh, the religion. Nine Eastern, that's fine. So that's 6 p.m. our time? Yeah, I'm in. Uh, just remind me, Ariel, remind me so that I'll be there. <laughs> so I don't forget come Sunday. Um, so, so, the, so the individual has to learn the path of the law of one and the understanding of the law of one 
and then uh, to seek that and to become in service to others and seek that path and seek the knowledge. And that is uh, balancing the chakras and the ascension you know, past that. That is what that is. The learning the law of one and living the law of one. I wish Jacqueline Taylor was here. She'd be proud of me for, for making sure, sure to put this uh, into perspective for you because that's what she teaches is living the law of one. And living the law of one is seeking the knowledge of the law of one and um, fixing your chakras and opening your third eye and then opening your crown chakra and then expansion out from that. And then once we all do that, those people who do, you join each other in, 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 in as an adult because now you're awake and you're no longer an adolescent or a child. Uh, and and you're, uh, you're, once you're awake, then you start thinking of things in terms of the entire species not just as an individual, not just as in helping the children, but now helping the entire species and not just the human race, but everything else, the planet, the trees, the animals, the rock, like we're talking about here, everything, blade of grass, amoeba, even diseases and, and amoebas and, and everything, because everything's alive. That's, that's then seeking the wisdom of infinity and infinite wisdom infinity itself and the infinite power and the infinite uh, uh, universe and everything that's all in it. Do you understand? Okay, let's continue. Question 3.11. Questioner, was the pyramid then built by the mutual action of many of your people? Answer, I am Ra. The pyramids which we thought built were constructed from thought forms created by our social memory complex. Question 3.12. Questioner, then the rock was created in place rather than moved from some place else? Is that correct? Answer, I am Ra. We built with everlasting rock the Great Pyramid, as you call it. Other of the pyramids were built with stone moved from one place to another. Question 3.13. Questioner, what is everlasting rock? Answer, I am Ra. If you can understand the concept of thought forms, you will realize that the thought form is more regular in its distortion than the energy fields created by the materials in the rock, which has been created through thought form from thought to finite energy and being less in your, shall we say, distorted reflection of the level of the thought form. May we answer you in any more helpful way? Question 3.14. Questioner. This is rather trivial, but I was wondering why the pyramid was built with many blocks rather than creating the whole thing as one form created at once. Answer, I am Ra. There is a law which we believe to be one of the more significant primal distortions of the law of one. That is the law of confusion. You have called this the law of free will. We wish to make an healing machine, or time-space ratio complex which was as efficacious as possible. However, we did not desire to allow the mystery to be penetrated by the peoples in such a way that we became worshipped as builders of a miraculous pyramid. Thus it appears to be made, not thought. Did you catch that part right there? That was important right there. Okay. The law of confusion, which you people call free will. Okay. So... That is, that's because the law of confusion is more accurate as to what it's, what it's doing. We have free will. Well, what is the free will that we have? We have free will to choose whatever it is that we want to choose and be whatever we want to be. That means we have free will to be good or evil. 
because it serves a purpose. If I'm evil and I'm a serial killer, I'm still serving the one because I'm serving the all by serving as a bad example and showing people just like this guy just went and murdered a bunch of people on 4th of July. Every time that happens and people kill other people and they put it all over the television and they're trying to use it to control you by taking away your rights, that information that you're gaining from that person gets you questioning, why was that person so evil? Why did they do what they wanted to do? Everybody wants to know the answer to that question. The answer is simply because they could. That's the answer to that. Because they can. It's part of the yin and the yang. It's what it's, that's what this whole place is about, is to live and die. And to experience life and death and everything that there is to experience. Not just life and death. But all pleasures, all manner of pleasures, all manner of debauchery, all manner of taste and smell and sound and feeling and everything. All of it. You can't do that with if there's only half. If there was no evil, you can't do that. You only get half of the experience. There was only evil, you only get half of the experience. So to truly have a real experience and as many possible experiences as you can while you're learning all this other stuff, you have to have the law of confusion, which is free will. And most people pass right by that. And I haven't heard anyone talk about that in comparison to what free will really means and how that fits into the law of one. No one ever does. They're like, well, what's the law of confusion? Free will. But you have to have the choice to have free will. Do you see? To have to have the free will, there has to be more than one choice. Because then you have a choice to make, whether you're going to be good or evil. So we have the ability. That's why I said there is no devil. There is no hell. It's you. It's within you. It's within me. It's within everyone. We are that. We've created that, and we are that. It's an aspect of ourselves. Everything that you see someone do that is evil that they do to another human being, you have either had happen to you or you've thought about doing it to other people or you have done it to other people. That's going to happen somewhere in the lifetimes that you spend on this earth. You will be a murderer, a rapist, a torturer. You will be a, a comedian. You'll be a lover. You will be uh, loved. You will be a son, a daughter, a mother, a wife, a, a husband. You will be all of those things. You will be everything. You will be a holy man, a holy woman. You will be hated and despised. You will be feared. You will be loved. You will be sought after. All of that. We are all of those things, and we have been and we will be. That's the dichotomy. That's the yin and the yang. And when you open that into the queen's chamber and, you're, and you and you have balanced the kundalini energy and you've opened that third eye and gone past that to the crown chakra and have opened that, you then have the ability because of where you are now outside of the reach of the, the egoic mind, outside of the reach of the mind itself, outside of the reach of the, of the pain body. The pain body is still here trying to pull you down. It's the anchor. Without the pain body, the ego doesn't work. Without your brain, the ego doesn't work. Without your brain, the pain body doesn't work. Do you see? Yes. Jen says, we're all, we were all narcissists at one time. Absolutely. As children, children are very narcissistic. They lie, they cheat, and they steal until they learn to choose not to be that way. 
because of their parents teaching them that that's wrong and they shouldn't be that way. And then they see the truth of it and they see the reward you get from helping people. Do you see? All right, I'm going to play this because the house phone's ringing. It's my sister. Question 3.15. Questioner, well, then you speak of the pyramid, the Great Pyramid, I assume, as primarily a healing machine, and also you spoke of it as a device for initiation. Are these one and the same concept? Ra, they are part of one complex of love, light, intent sharing. To use the healing aspects properly, it was important to have a purified and dedicated channel, or energizer, for the love light of the infinite creator to flow through. Thus the initiatory method was necessary to prepare the mind, the body, and the spirit for service in the creator's work. The two are integral. Question 3.1. I wanted to point out right there, first of all, that was my sister, and I had to take the phone call because she had gone to the emergency room today, but they put her on prednisone and sent her home. She forgot that it was Friday, and she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm live on air doing the law of one. She said, oh, crap, call me back when you're done. Uh, so she's okay, but she wanted to tell me she was at home. But that's why she was calling me. But I wanted to point out right there that you know, the word uh, wasn't spoken right by the computer, uh, and that was uh, you know a dedicated channel or energizer for the light for the love light of the intuitive creator to flow through. Uh, and it came through like energizer or, or something like that. It was wrong. I didn't say the word right. And I wanted to make sure that you guys understood that that was something that was energizing, right? So let me put my glasses on here because uh, I took them off a second ago so I can read what I see on the screen, right? So uh, I am raw, right? So the answer, I am raw. They are part of the, uh, of the, they are part of the one complex of love, light, intent, right? Intent sharing. Do you see how that's also like love slash light? Intent slash sharing. To use the healing aspect properly, it was important to have a purified and dedicated channel or energizer for the love slash light of the infinite creator to flow through thus. Okay. And then uh, I don't need to read the rest of that because you guys heard that, but I wanted to make sure that you guys understood the content uh, or context of what he was saying and the proper word energizer, something that was channeling and able to, or a battery that would have the, the energy uh, to be able to channel through. And that's, utilizing us but you have to align your chakras again why i paused it there you have to have your chakras aligned uh in the, the right place and you have to be upright which being upright means that all of your chakras are aligned and you are able to channel the kundalini energy uh, and once you do that that's like what i'm a reiki master teacher uh you i can't be a reiki master teacher without tuning my chakras and keeping them aligned because i'm using the energy of the universe which is the kundalini energy Right. Kundalini just means the energy of the universe. Reiki is light energy. It's the same thing as Kundalini means the same thing. A lot of people don't know that. All right. Let's continue. One six. Questioner. Does the shape of the pyramid have a function in the initiation process? Ra, this is a large question. We feel that we shall begin and ask you to reevaluate and ask further at a later session this somewhat, shall we say, informative point. To begin, there are two main functions of the pyramid in relation to the initiatory procedures. One has to do with the body. Before the body can be initiated, the mind must be initiated. 
This is the point at which most adepts of your present cycle find their mind, body, spirit complexes distorted from. Okay, I just switched back over and saw Denise's last question. I like that question. I'm confused. Let me put it up on the screen and I'll read it for those of you who are listening on the MP3 file. I'm confused, Denise says. So if we didn't have free will, there would be no killing, killing, etc. Correct. Okay. If there was no veiling and there was no ego, nobody would be killing anyone. The ego drives us to kill. The ego is that part of us, which is the devil on your left shoulder, and the angel on your right shoulder is your conscience, not your consciousness, but your conscience. That's what that what says to you, don't do that. That's not right. You wouldn't want them to do that to you. You know that's wrong. That part of your psyche that warns you what you're about to do when you're contemplating right and wrong and whether to steal or beat someone up, the ego is saying, do that. And your conscience is saying, don't do that. And you have the choice to do it or not. Murder doesn't happen unless the ego says to do it. Do you see? So there wouldn't be, and there wasn't. Nobody was murdering. Nobody was raping. Nobody was pillaging. Nothing that you can imagine that is nefarious or evil in any way happened prior to the veiling. The veiling made all that possible. That was an advent by our collective consciousness that is the creator of the universe to speed things up, to give us another avenue of wholeness of being alive without death and threat and boogeymen raping, pillaging, murdering, beating people and, and all of that. Life is only half lived because you don't truly experience life without destruction, war, famine, pestilence, death, rape, murder, killing, and all of that. Without that, we could live to be 100,000 years old each, and we would learn everything there is to learn without any strife whatsoever. We would never fathom that. And, to, and this is why I pause right here, because I, your question is far better than you realize. Far better than you realize. For those of you who've read The Law of One before, you know what I'm referring to. And those of you who don't, I'm going to give it to you right now. This is a perfect, beautiful question. Ra is a hive mind complex, an entire species thinking as one and communicating with Carla, who is the person that is channeling this information. Her husband, Dawn, is the questioner. And Leonard is the scribe at this point. At some point, Leonard leaves. I think he kills himself, too. Don't quote me on that. But Leonard is the one writing everything down and recording it and making sure that everything is able to work and record and, and uh, helping write down the questions for Dawn to ask and making sure to, and also helping with the book. And Dawn's asking the questions. Okay. So let's start with Raw. The reason this human race is currently stuck is Ra's fault. The reason we are in the fix we're in today is because of the hive mind complex that is Ra came to the earth, made the pyramid, gave it to the priests, and did not realize 
that there was nefariousness on this planet. Ra evolved, they evolved from a planet of trees prior to the veiling. So they never experienced it. So they didn't, were unaware of it. And they came here to help. And when they, when they ran into it, they didn't realize what it was. They, Ra talks about that early on when there was another group that came through in South America. And we know that uh, the Incans and the Mayans, right, and the Aztecs, there was a very large population that just disappeared off the face of the earth. The Aztecs were, were too warlike in murdering people, so they were recalled and recycled so that they could start over and not be so, uh, uh, you know, they were murdering people and bloodletting them every other day and, and cutting out their hearts and all that stuff. So, but, but the rest who disappeared, millions of people, was because they ascended. Okay. However, they were just as nefarious at an 8%, just like now, 8% of the population being evil or uh, narcissistic in service to self. But those that group that came through realized that, that oh, I better stay here and help. So they stayed immediately and helped and persisted. And the people, they were able to get the people to graduate uh, and move and move on. Raw. They didn't realize it, and they left. And then when they found out that something went wrong, they came back, and now they're here helping us, and they're staying here until they fix what they fucked up. So the reason that we're in this mess is because those of us that are on this planet as wanderers right now that came from the group that is now raw, we're the reason this happened. Okay? I don't know that I, I I am of that group, but I know that I came from Orion, but I don't know if I'm part of Raw's people. I do know that I came from Orion. I believe that I'm a Patal. Okay, they came from the 11th down to here, not the 5th, whereas Raw is, is in the 4th, moving up to the 5th. Okay. So they're the reason that we're in this fix. Because they didn't know. They didn't experience nefariousness. So they came here and they entrusted the knowledge of the law of one to the people that were here. And those people took that knowledge and used it to their advantage. And that is exactly what they're still doing to this day. And what they've done for hundreds of thousands of years. Since before the pyramids, since the pyramids were built and since then until now. Except for they say the pyramids were only built 10,000 years ago. And that's not true. Okay. So that was a great question because we're in this fix because we're all fucked up. Right? <laughs> so there was no killing. We're, and they, don't, they were not uh, uh, used to it and didn't understand it. Now they do. They're the ones who's telling us the story. And that happens, that comes up where they tell the story of a time before the veiling and why the veiling and how that came to be. But they didn't know that at the time they came here. But now, and because they have evolved since then, they understand the law of one because they're more one now and they're also seeking the in infinite knowledge, right? Because that's what comes after love is knowledge. So that's a great, great question that you asked right then. <laughs> it was perfect timing. So yeah, they, without, they didn't know it. Without it, there is no killing. They didn't understand it and they screwed it up. And they screwed us up. And we're stuck and they're here trying to help. And that's why there's a lot of people that are here that are uh, wanderers 
are part of their hive mind complex that have come back to help. I don't believe that I am that, but that doesn't mean anything. I came from, they came from the Orion Nebula as well, uh, is where I came from. And uh, uh, so did the Orion Crusaders, the evil people that are trying to take over that made it even worse here and tried to say that they're in control and created the entire narrative that we're a slave labor race and created the Anunnaki, which is bullshit. The Anunnaki never existed. There is no such places or people of the Anunnaki. Uh, the, the word Anu, in fact, even if you read the Mesopotamian or the Babylonian uh, scrolls, uh, Anunnaki meant the people. Anyways, it didn't mean those from the heavens came. I just listened to, the, I just literally read the Illuminalish yesterday. And one of the people who were uh, who were venerated as God had were given control of the of the uh, uh, you know what the uh, what they were calling wrongfully so translated after uh, the translation of Zacharias Ditchin saying the Anunnaki but saying that they were given control over the Anunnaki and that means the Anunnaki are not gods it doesn't mean those from the heavens came God Anu at all Anu was a title Anu was a title that you got as a prince or as a king that venerated you as a king on earth or god on earth like Xerxes called himself the god king. The pharaohs called themselves god kings. The word pharaoh means king, by the way. Okay? And including the Caesar, which also means king. They called themselves god kings. God on earth. Kim Jong-un, right now to this day. His people in North Korea believe he's a god. Okay, it was a title. Doesn't mean the creator of the universe. That whole thing is a misnomer and a wrong translation. You could look that up. I've I've talked about that on my show, and even reference the video where you can watch where they talk about the translation and what it actually means, not what they say it means. And that came from Zacharias Dijon because he borrowed a Babylonian word, a Greek word, of Anu, which they were calling the the priestly title of godlike. And using that with Naki, and it was supposed to be not Anunnaki, one word. It was Anunnaki, or Anu-Aki, not Anunnaki. It's like it's like the, the word Sangrial and Sangrial. Okay, and that's the question of, of Holy Blood, Holy uh, Grail. The, the book, Holy Blood, Holy Grail, is the, the original translation of, of Sangrial means Holy Blood. But if you separate the two words, it means it, it means uh, it doesn't mean royal blood, doesn't mean DNA. It means the blood of. So when they were talking about Jesus and him being uh, the you know the the God King of the Jews, if you have it written Sangreal with the the old French translated from the old Coptic translated from uh, Pharisee, that means DNA, royal bloodline. When you separate the word after the before the G and it becomes sangrial, it means the blood of someone. So literally, by adding a space, you change the entire definition of Jesus's bloodline from royal blood to the blood of Christ, and and raise him up as God by putting a space in between one word, separating the one word. That's the contention of Holy Blood, Holy Grail, uh, which was uh, one of the books, one of the four books that Dan Brown read that I own and read. 
that he's decided what if that were all true and what if the original translation was royal blood, not holy blood, because Jesus was the descendant of kings. He was the descendant of David, king of G- of the Jews. You can look this up. John the Baptist was his cousin. They were royalty. Holy blood, holy grail. Sangrial, sangrial. Okay. So, same thing. Going back to uh, uh, blood and war. It's a, it's a matter of perspective only. And you, without veiling, without the choice of free will, you don't have free wills because there is no evil to choose. All of that's gone. So nobody dies. Nobody murders. Nobody rapes. Nobody pillages. There's no war. There's no famine. There's no uh, politics. There's no uh, uh, dichotomy in television where you have movies of evil people doing bad things and good guys chasing them around. All that goes away after the veiling is gone. And the veiling goes away. This is why I love your question, Denise. This is like the, one of the greatest questions ever asked. The veiling goes away in for each individual, for each of us. Heaven is there where hell is, and hell is down on earth. Why? Because we make it what we want to see, heaven or hell. We make our lives hell by choosing so, or we make our lives heaven by choosing so. It wasn't my fault. I grew up in a shitty neighborhood. I grew up poor as well. I grew up very poor. We used to put tape, duct tape around our shoes uh, to, to uh, uh, cover up the hole on the bottom of our shoes or to keep the rubber on the bottom. That's not a joke. And we, t- we took our old clothes and we kept them because we cut patches off of those and sewed them into our new pairs of pants and our shirts because we didn't have the money to buy new stuff. Our, my grandmother used to make clothing for us because we didn't have enough money to buy it at the store. This is not a lie. You can ask any one of my family members. This is the absolute truth. Ditch bank, oaky poor with leaking roof, power being shut off, no cable, uh, the phone being shut off, gas being shut off because my father didn't have enough money to pay the bills. Not a, He went to work on his days off for our um, our landlord to pay off our rent and utilities. Okay? So... Just because you were born in a demographic that is poor, slums, uh, violent, and anarchic and all that doesn't mean that that's what you have to become. There's more people in my family that are criminals than not. I'm Irish. That immediately, you either become a cop, a fireman, or a priest if you're Irish. Or a criminal. <laughs> okay? That's, over, that's true for Ireland. That's true for America if you're Irish. So, that doesn't, so it's a matter of your choice of what you want to do. So I don't care when someone says, oh, I was beaten down by the system. That's because you're letting it and you're choosing to be that. So we have that choice. Without that choice, there is there is nothing. It's just Garden of Eden. In fact, if you listen to what Gary Osborne said, if we if we tilted the planet back upright to where the to the true north, the planet wasn't tilted at 23.3 degrees, there would be no seasons. We would have perpetual spring everywhere on the planet. It would be warmer on, probably on the equator than anywhere else. Okay? So so think about that. We would have perpetual spring. So it would be, it would be the Garden of Eden. So when did this happen? Garden of Eden 
when we learned the knowledge. And that story wasn't just, there wasn't two people. Okay, if you read that story, they, they went out to the world and multiplied. So they had children, and they went out to the world and multiplied. So did they have incest? Did the sons screw mom to have children and their sisters? And did dad screw everybody to have uh, children? No, there was other people out there outside of the garden. Read that. Go in there. So that doesn't make sense. None of that makes sense. Adam and Eve were not the first creation. They were not the only creation. And everyone did not spawn from them. We don't have uh, the same DNA as Adam and Eve. Uh, and we can't trace back everybody's DNA to one single person. Okay, that just is, is folly. Because you can't have a race of almost 8 billion people from two. You can't. It takes seven couples minimum with different DNA not related to each other to populate a planet. That is proven scientifically. So there wasn't just Adam and Eve. In fact, what happened to, uh, to Lilith? Because Lilith came before Eve did, but she was defiant and wouldn't be subservient to Adam. So God supposedly kicked her out of the Garden of Eden because what? She was imperfect and she didn't believe that she should be a slave to Adam and do whatever he says. Fuck him when he wants. Fix him food when he wants and shut the fuck up, bitch, and get back into the kitchen. Think about that. So your freedoms that you have today, according to that story, would get you tossed out of the Garden of Eden because you women are independent and think for yourselves. That's bullshit. I'm not saying you guys being independent and thinking for yourselves, but the whole shut the fuck up thing, right, is bullshit. That's the witch's hammer. They published that to shut women up. Why women are the second half of the kundalini energy, and without that half of the feminine, you can't open your third eye. So they needed to shut up free-thinking women because you guys, being nurturing and loving by nature, had to be stifled to keep the men stupid. It was easier because the men were, were bigger and stronger than you guys, so they could dominate you physically, beat you, rape you, murder you, and, and beat you into submission. If it was the other way around, you women would be in charge. And you would be the more warlike than men. You guys are becoming that. Men are starting to become uh, balancing their kundalini, and women are starting to regress the opposite direction. Not everyone, not all. But we're starting to get that equal balance now where you have just as many chauvinistic men as you do chauvinistic women. When it wasn't that way before. But it's necessary for the balance. So I'm not saying it's a bad thing that women are, are becoming more aggressive and becoming more like men and men are becoming less aggressive and more like women. That is the natural state of where we're supposed to be going right now to balance the Kundalini energy. The warlike time period, which was Bakhtun 12, is over and we are now, I, I know I did this on Monday, but we're now going into this to the age of Aquarius. Okay, this is the age of Aquarius. We all sang that on Monday night. We we're laughing about it too. But Bakhtun 13 is starting, and there's that number again. It was 12 cycles, 12th Bakhtun, 12th cycle, and now the 13th cycle. That's the 3, 6, and 9 becoming the 12, right? 3 times uh, 4, or 3 times 3 is 9, 4 times 3 is 12. And then what? The, the center, the 1, the 0 point, upright, balanced at the 0 point. That is the 13, or the 1, the 13th warrior, was a with an entire storyline of the 13th warrior is also if you watch the movie or you read the eaters of the dead by michael crichton or watch the movie he made called the 13th warrior with antonio banderas 
that in and of itself is the same story. It's the Christ story. He became this the savior character because he didn't believe in the Vendo. Vendo means grinder, by the way. And that was just the name that was given to the one uh, um, kid who was mostly, uh, I believe he was half-breed. No, he was the one that was uh, complete. Um, the other Neanderthal, uh, not the, the hominid that is well, what we are descended from, the one that we eradicated that was still here, the one of the seven. They was the last ones. And he ground his teeth when he was a kid, so his father called him Vendo, which means grinder. And then that became synonymous with the entire race. They were called the Vendo. So he didn't believe that the Vendo were anything besides human in that story. And that's a true story, by the way. The only reason we have the story of Beowulf, Bulavai, Beowulf, is because Ahmed, uh, 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 Ibn Fahalan, Ibn, Rush, Ibn Rashid, no, even uh, Ahmed, Ibn Fahalan, Ibn Al-Abbas, Ibn Rashid, or no, it's Ibn Rashid, Ibn Al-Abbas. Ibn means son of, like, O'Neill. O apostrophe is the same as Ibn. So, so Ahmed, the Arab, who was exiled from his land because he was screwing the Caliph's wife, it was actually, they, they said that in the movie, but the book was actually that he was the, he had the ear of the Caliph. He was a, a prince and he was uh, uh, not Ahmed. Ahmed was, uh, he was a little bit less than a prince and he was screwing this girl. She was in love with him. He was in love with her. Her husband hated it, went to the Caliph. The Caliph sent him off like they always did. The kings would send off people they hated to go and get killed somewhere in a foreign land so they could steal their women. That's the story of, uh, of the man in the iron mask. Same thing. Although they they did that because they were twins and the one was trying to get rid of the other one. However, but it was still basically the same. So Ahmed went to the north, got hooked up with the north man, and they had to go on a quest. And the oracle said that he had to go because he was the 13th warrior. There was 12 warriors had to go, and she said that. And one had to be not a north man. And so Ahmed, who was the youngest at the time, was only about 16, uh, 17 years old. They picked him. They were all between, uh, you know, 16 and, and uh, 25 at the time. They picked him to go with them because he was not a North man. And the other person that was there was was his uh, mentor, who was an old man. So they took him because he was young and in a fighting uh, uh, age. So he went. And the reason we have the story of Beowulf is he was the one who wrote the story of Beowulf and chronicled Beowulf's life, Beowulf's life and took it back with him to, uh, to uh, you know, Persia. And they eventually found that story in Persia and brought it back to the world. And the only reason we have the story of the Viking that is the Dane, who was a Geet at the time, right? We lived in Geetland, which is no longer there, which is now part of Denmark. Actually, no, I'm wrong. It's not part of Denmark. It's part of Norway. I apologize. The Geets were Nor Norse, Norway. And that's the only reason we know about Beowulf. It was because the story came out of Persia a thousand years after it was written. Told to be true about what had happened when Ahmed went to the north and got hooked up with the Northmen. But it was the same story, is my point. I know it sounds like I'm rambling, but I'm not. So all of that is the same story, which is the dichotomy, which is the choice, which is the, 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 not, the uh, uh, dark night of the soul that we all go through. And we have to go through. So it's another example through history in our stories that we tell, which is the same dichotomy that we tell in every single story ever told. That's why they say every story that is that is that could be possibly to told has already been told. 
It's just being retold over and over and over again because it's the same story. It's the same story being retold over and over and over again. It is the dichotomy between good and evil. It is the same story always. When you turn on anything that's on television, any drama that's on television, it's the same story of good and evil, good triumphing over evil because somebody does something bad and they either repent or someone else is the victim and, and then testifies or the good guy uh, figures it all out because he, he weighs all the shit out from, from everybody's testimony and he goes and catches the bad guy. It's always the, the good will always triumph over evil. And in the end, no matter how bad it looks, and the more worse it looks for the hero character, the closer he comes to death, the more money we pay and the more people go and see that movie over and over and over again. The closer, let me say that again, the closer the person who is the hero or the savior character comes to sacrificing themselves like Jesus, the bigger blockbuster it is. The more hopeless it seems, the more they can create the dichotomy that we're going through now on this earth, we, we are more apt to go and see it over and over and over again. Why? Because we are secretly, subconsciously telling ourselves that it's the dark night of the soul and it's the darkest time of our existence, but it's not the end of the universe. Over and over and over, we're telling ourselves, just hold on a little bit longer and the, and the night will dawn. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That is what we're telling you over and over and over. There is no story out there that anyone wants to watch that has that doesn't have that going on. No one wants to see a movie that doesn't have somebody doing something evil in it. They don't want to have, they don't want to watch it. It's boring. It's too much like, uh oh, my actual life. Do you see? So what's happening is that even if you have chosen a path of in service to others and you have never in this life done those things to other people. You're still going to watch those movies because you're fantasizing about what it would be like to actually do it. Because you need to. It's not that you're evil. It's that you need to to fully understand and realize and live this life and fully get and understand the ascension. Is You have to see every hideous thing that there could be to see as well as every loving thing. Why? Because we've gotten ourselves so stuck that the only way out of here is to show you all of it so that you fully are aware of what you're, you have done to our, what we have done to ourselves and why. And the answers are right there. That's why when, when you go to, we talk about the Sufi, right? Legendary story of this, this, you know, wise master who wanted to become awake and he bought every book he could finally, he could buy, which is what people do now. They watch everything, listen to everything. You guys are listening to me. Uh, and there's going to come a time when, when you won't need me anymore. And you're everything is going to be so simple to you that like the Oracle, when she popped in went between 2017 and uh, two years and 10 months later by 2019, 
she would pop in and see me doing the law of one and go, this is basic, isn't it? Because it was above her understand or below her understanding. Her vibration was to the point where she looked at everything that I was talking about in the law of one, teaching the law of one was basic for children because it is. When people say to me, how is it that you, as a, you know, you're a Christian, you admit that you're a Christian minister. How is it that when you're reading all the scrolls from all the other religions, right? Because I, I, you know, I, I say that I'm a, a theologian. How is it that you can, uh, uh, you know, uh, what makes you think that you can objectively look at all the scrolls and not give it a slant of Christianity? And my answer to them is, because every single Talmud, every single uh, religious Talmud, dusty tome, and, uh, and Bible uh, or scroll around the entire planet is a bedtime story for children. That's why. And I know that it is. That's why and how I can look at all the scrolls and every single bit of history and every single bit of every religion that has ever existed and spirituality that has ever existed and ever will exist in this third dimension objectively. Because I actually understand, understand, and realize that being stuck here is an exercise for children. And all of those spiritual tomes are the way. They are the Tao Te Chi. They are the book of the way on how to become unstuck, break out of the prison of your mind, and become an adult, and then teach and help the children. Or not and become in charge, in control, and rape and pillage and destroy and do whatever you will. Because of the, uh, the, it's there in the doctrine. If you look at the Druidic, Wiccan, pagan ideology, it's do what thou wilt, but harm none. Harm none is the key in that phrase. Be in service to others. The Satanists and the Luciferians say, do what thou wilt. Do you see how they say they, they take off the ha and harm none? Because harming people is part of doing what thou wilt to them. That's the yin and the yang. That's the dichotomy. That's the puzzle. That's the trap that you're in. And everyone, every single soul has to go through it at least once in their existence. And those who came up before that, either once they return to the one, recycle and come back to do that so that they fully have those experiences, or like raw, they screw up in some way that forces them to have to look at it and live it and then volunteer to come back down to help to live it as well. That's just the dance that's been created so that you grow up and you actually get the universe and what it means to be alive. You can't have life without death. Not truly. You don't appreciate it. You don't, you don't live it. You don't understand how precious it is, and that you'll stand under is the knowledge of that. So the story of Adam and Eve learning knowledge, and that knowledge being what? The, oh, that's the, they, they learn the knowledge of good and evil, and that there's their sin. It's not a sin. That's what you're here to learn. 
That's why that story has, has been corrupted so that it looks like it was something bad. You weren't supposed to know this knowledge. And because of that, women have the old, that's the original sin. And women now have pain in childbirth. That's just part of the pain body. That's showing you and us how much pain is involved in being alive and how much pain is involved in giving birth to life. Creating life and giving birth to it is not easy. Do you see? So all of us experience the pain of life being born into this reality, and then all of us have to be a woman at least once to give birth to children so that we understand and get what it means to go through that life-bringing and life-giving and what it means. And the same thing with our death and rebirth and resurrection. To fully understand life, you have to die. To fully understand slavery, you have to be one. To truly understand uh, to be what being raped is, you have to be raped, but you also have to rape. So to truly understand what it means to be murdered, you have to murder, and you have to be murdered. All of us have done all of that, and if you haven't done it yet, you will. Maybe not in this lifetime, but you will in some lifetime. Okay? However, the way to ascension is by choosing none of the evil and living above it. And you will only be able to do that once you've experienced all that. That's the only way that you'll be able to be in a place where you can wake up and actually be awake, not woke, but awake to the ascension is you have to have lived long enough on this planet to have done everything and had everything done to you. And once you have done all of those things and experienced all of those things, you then, at your will, have the choice to ascend whenever you wish. But you have to have the knowledge of that ascension. And that knowledge of of ascension has been taken from the people of this earth. Most of the people on this earth are not aware that there is an ascension. Most of the people of this earth, like like Carla, didn't realize, and a lot of humans didn't realize they had an immortal soul. Some still don't. Do you see? This is why the law of one, this is what he's telling you in the law of one. Is everything I'm telling you right now, if uh, to this point, is everything that Ra explained and is about to explain. So am I rambling? No, I'm not. If you go back and listen, or if you go further ahead and listen to what's being said by Ra, answering the questions, everything I have said to you is in there for you to gather. So I'm not rambling off topic. People always go, Leo's like, he rambles all the time. No, I don't. If you're actually paying attention, I speak in parables. And I have just given you five examples seven, if you go back to the last hour, examples of the exact same story over and over and over and over. And that is the ascension. And that is exactly what Ra just did. And that is exactly what Jesus did. And in the very beginning, even more than that, if you go back to the very beginning when I talked about the Exodus and uh, and then I talked about the um, apocalypse or the revelation, all of those are the same story. 
Every single dusty tome on the face of the earth is telling the same story. Every movie you've ever seen, every book you have ever read, even the books that are just sex books, even the books that are just murder books, in there is the same dichotomy between good and evil. Same story. It's all the same. But it's not boring because it's being told differently, different scenarios. That's why that's why we watch so much movies and read so many books. Why? Because we're driven by the law of one. We are driven by the by the true nature of the universe, which is us, to have every possible experience we can possibly have. And so we live vicariously through watching and reading books and listening to songs and watching movies and, and uh, you know, whatever. We live by, by, by the, the better actors and actresses are those who can make us believe that that character is real and we forget we're watching a movie. And we're on our toes with them. Oh, no, they're about to die. Look out, man. And we're scared and we're having the same emotions that they're having. Do you see? You're living that fantasy just like you're living the one that you're in. And because our lives are not that crazy, when they are, we don't want to live that. We want to live it, but we want to live it in a place where we're not going to die. That's why we like video games because we can die over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter because it's still me. But we then are telling ourselves that if this body dies, I don't come back as me anymore, and I may not come back at all, because that's the doubt we've cast on ourselves. That's part of the confusion. Because then it becomes precious. If it's not precious, then when you play a video game, who cares? I'll die. Fuck it. I'm just going to be alive in a minute anyway. So it doesn't matter. I'll do whatever I want. And then if I die, who cares? Just bring me back, and I'll go back and do it again. So you don't appreciate what it means to live. You're not living. When I play a video game, I'm a true gamer. When I play a video game, I try not to die. Some people don't care. They just do whatever they do, and then when they die, they just go, resurrect me, please. Somebody res me. I need to be resurrected. Don't make me walk all the way to the graveyard and resurrect, please. Don't make me walk back to my body. And then when they do, they go, oh, yeah, thanks. You guys could have resurrected me. And then they're disappointed because nobody else was in service to others because they sure are not. Right? Well, that's the hope, Jen. Jen said, I hope I'm done. That's the hope. The hope is all of us should be. Not everyone is going to be. The fact that you're in this audience says that you are. You'd be long since gone if you weren't ready. You would think I'm crazy. That guy's nuts. I don't believe anything he has to say. He's a fruitcake. He's lost his mind. He's he's completely rambling. He's making no sense whatsoever. That guy's a fucking moron, and you would have left. The fact that you're actually still here says that this is triggering you in a, in a positive way. You see the truth of what I'm saying or you wouldn't be here. So that means you're closer than you think. Okay. Here's the problem, though. This is the problem that we have. Here's the rub, as it were. That even when you do die, and this is where they try to tell you, don't go into the light, man, because it's a trap and they're going to convince you you're on a secret mission to help everybody. Because what happens is when you wake up, even in this lifetime, when you wake up and you actually see the world for what it really truly is, not just the anger part where you realize what the bad people are doing, but when you realize why they're doing what they're doing, everything that I've said today, when you get that fully, you're above it looking back down on it, 
you then realize you have to help. Because there's so many people here that were tricked by nefariousness, by evil men and women into not knowing what's really happening to them. And they're being held captive on purpose. So what what they've done is usurped what we have created. We as an entire hive mind species that was the creator created this scenario. And then we've allowed the nefariousness to then usurp that, take control of the matrix, just like in the movie. And convince everyone there is no matrix and there's nothing to see here. Just go about your life and do what you're doing and keep making us richer and richer and richer. To what end? Well, the evil people came here calling themselves the Orion Confederation, or I'm sorry, the Orion uh, Crusaders. And they told the people here that there, there was this evil race of people that were going to come and get them, but they could be their saviors. And they were the conquerors. And once they got here, they're using us as slave labor to create weapons of mass destruction to feed their army, which is taking over other uh, solar systems. Okay? So when you hear the story of, uh, of uh, in uh, the, the Viking um, uh, folklore, of them t- making the dwarfs that live under the mountain create their weapons for them, for the gods, that's the metaphor where they're trying to show us that that's what happened to us here. Okay, that doesn't mean that Odin and Thor were evil. Okay, they weren't and they're not. But what they're you they're they're trying to get past the algorithm that is evil. Do you see? So they're trying to tell you, just like the apocalypse, just like the Exodus, just like the story of Jesus, all of these stories are trying to secretly tell you if you have the the knowledge and understanding, you have the ear to hear or the eyes to see you will get the esotericness of the story. So even in the Viking folklore, they say they they forced the dwarves. So that means they did it against their will, forced the dwarves to make their magical weapons. That is what we are. We are the dwarves under the mountain. Because it's not happening up here on the earth on top. It's happening under something and hidden so that we don't see that they're making weapons that are going off-world that are feeding the war machine so that they could take over. And they took over 22 others, so 23 total solar systems with life forms on them up until not too very long ago. That's part of the, what we, what we you know, would call the temporal war and uh, the war between good and evil. Now, all but three of those solar systems have been freed. All of them started in this area with earth we were the first to be taken over that's why we're the last to be free because this was their stronghold they were here longer than anywhere else so they were entrenched here more than they were entrenched in other places and all of the other solar systems now except for the last three and we're one of them have been freed completely now the bad guys have left okay they're they're leaving and have left but everyone that is the the people who live on this planet that is nefarious, they're still on the planet and they're still trying to run the place. But their overlords are gone. And those who are still here, just like with Atlantis, are stuck. Okay?
is it the same for those that are here to help the planet ascend? Meaning, or your question, meaning is it the same that we're stuck to? Yes. Those of us who are here to help, we're also stuck. Although all of the, that's why you don't have nefarious, you don't have evil people coming here legally. Jesus said that. You can read that in, in I don't remember which one. is one of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. When he said, I came here legally. That means that his soul came here as a wanderer. He came here as a higher being, descended, and volunteered to be born in this reality with this low vibration as a human being. And that is what wanderers do. And they come here to serve others. And that's what I am and more than likely most of you in the, in the audience listening. Because I'm a beacon for one of the, I'm not the only one, obviously. There's millions of us that are beacons. I don't think there's billions of us yet. But there's billions of wanderers. Many billions. When you look at the planet, uh, the population of the planet Earth in 1980, 1981, 82 was only uh, 2.5 to 2.7 billion people. And it is now uh, almost 8 billion people on this Earth. The majority of which are wanderers. Evil people don't do that because they have to give up all of that they've gained. There's no self-sacrifice in someone who is in love with themselves and only out to serve themselves. Why would they descend to come down here when they have to start all over with no power whatsoever? They would have to become Genghis Khan to gain any kind of power, a mass murderer to gain any kind of power. And since we have laws against that and we hunt those people down and stop them, they don't get to do what Genghis Khan did. They don't get to do any more what Adolf Hitler did. But Adolf Hitler was actually misunderstood and, and uh, kept on drugs. He actually is in a place of healing. He was not as evil as everybody thought he was. He was just crazy because they he was already going a little squirrely anyway from this time uh, when he was captured as a corporal in World War I and was put in prison. That was when he wrote Mein Kampf, which means my struggle in German. So he was already a little twisted then and blamed the Jews. He was angry at the time he was in a prison penal colony when he wrote that. So he was angry and he, and he lashed out and said that the Jews, he was half Austrian, half Jew, by the way. A lot of people don't know that about, uh, about him. You can look that up. I'm not making it up. He was half Jewish. He hated that half of himself because he blamed them. He said it was all their fault. They controlled everything, so they must be the bad guy. Because it wasn't the Aryan race, which was the only part of him that he was proud of. So he decided the Aryan race was the was the true uh, chosen race, not the Hebrews who claimed to be the chosen race. That's obviously the good sign of evil right there when they when they start going against the word of God. But that word's bullshit too. Okay, so the the Hebrews believe they're the only ones going to heaven. Well, that's weird. I'd like to get them together with a Mormon because they believe they're the only ones going to heaven. I'd like to get those guys to sit down for a while and talk about it. So who's the chosen race? Mormons believe they're the chosen race. They know where heaven is. Hebrews believe they're the chosen race because God supposedly told them so. Christians think that they're the chosen what? People, not they, they believe in inclusivity. Because why? Jesus talked about that. Therefore, the Hebrews can't say that that religion is worth a shit because even though Jesus was a rabbi, which means teacher, who had to be married and have children, or at least you have a wife who was pregnant, to be called a rabbi in that religion at the time, look that up. That's why Dan Brown said, and that's why Holy Blood, Holy Grail, and, and a few other books uh, and scrolls said that about Jesus. Can't be called a, a rabbi if you're, if you're not married and you don't have children. 
can't be a teacher. How can you how can you counsel someone on marriage when you've never been married? How can you counsel someone on raising children when you've never had children? Do you see? So how can you counsel someone on religion when you know nothing about religion? So all of us had to have gone through that. And we, those of us who have come back and we're helping everybody to ascend, we're also stuck here. That's why, that's why the ultimate sacrifice in service to others is to come back and help. Do you see? So that's why they, you hear people say we're rock stars. Not only are we DNA-wise, the human race, royalty, but most of the people that are here have already been through this a long, 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 long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But you've come here to help because you realize how important and how beautiful this journey is. So when you're sitting around, you think your life is shit. You think the world's going to hell in a handbasket. You're looking at the wrong part of the world. You're looking at what they're trying to show you on television. Turn on the news and they're going to give you an hour worth of death, mayhem, pandemonium, and destruction. And then, oh, so-and-so, Mrs. Johnson, is 101 today. Yay! And up next, weather. Sports. Simulated war up next. Let's tell you about what's going on in the different simulations of war and who killed and destroyed what nation today. Oh, I'm sorry. Who won what baseball game or who won what football game or who won what soccer game. And then we're going to tell you about, about MMA, mixed martial arts, hand-to-hand combat of who beat the other person into submission. Don't get me wrong. I've been in MMA since I was seven. <laughs> I just don't have the cauliflower ears because I didn't, I didn't stay around uh, getting my head ranked off long enough to have the cauliflower ears or a broken nose. I didn't like any of that, but i am still been practicing mixed martial arts since I was like fucking six or seven. So the ultimate sacrifice, the royalty is in doing what you're doing. So because as an adult, when you wake up, you find it necessary to then want to help. And you'll want to. You'll do what I'm doing in some way. I know I have to get off here too. It's already at 630. It's 623. <laughs> Jen says, I got to work tomorrow. I got to go. Night, everyone. Thanks, Leo. All right, Jen, we love you. Uh, we got to go too. I got to go too because I got to get dinner from my mother and sit down and put my feet up and stop talking. Right? So we'll pick it up again. I know people are going to go, Jesus Christ, you only got like five questions in. For those people who have that kind of short attention span, go ahead on your own. Uh, and listen to it by yourself and see if you can figure it out as well as I do. And if you can, do a show and I'll watch. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not kidding. Right? I'm not trying to be arrogant in any way. If you could, can, if you can tell the stories better than I can, I'm listening. Because that's who I look for. It's people who can decipher this stuff better than me and then tell the story of it. So there's going to be a lot of stuff that we're going to be talking about. But the underlining thing is exactly what I've just gone over and over and over and over. Okay? So let me turn this off and, and put my on my ugly mug back up there. Right, I didn't even shave today. Look, right, I haven't shaved in like three days, so I have the five o'clock shadow going on here. Right. Okay, so we'll pick up right where we were there uh, at that, and we'll go on. And, and like I said, I don't care if it takes me the rest of eternity to get through this. The truth is, all of this information is pertinent, no matter how you look at it, because it's all the same thing over and over and over and over and over. We're telling ourselves. The answers, they're right there in front of us. That's why the story, let me get back to that, right? I started the story of the Sufi, the guy who bought everything, right? And he was trying to read everything. Uh, and I've done that. And all of us do that. 
And uh, one day he actually he woke up and he realized that he was awake, whether it helped with him reading all those books or, or not. Uh, he, like all the rest of us, realized that it literally is in front of you, literally is in the air you breathe and in every story and every vibration in the entire universe. So he took all of his books and he went out on the front lawn and he burned them because you don't need any of that. It's literally so simple. A child should understand it. It's right in front of all of us. But we don't get it until we get it. And to get it, you have to be on the right path. And to be on the right path, you have to have certain things that you do uh, in the way you live your life. In the, in the, uh, in, that's the only way. You won't find the answers by being evil and narcissistic and being in love with yourself. You'll never find the answers. You can't. It's not designed for you to find that way. That's part of the experience that you have is learning and comprehending that there's no path to anywhere in evil. That just evil begets evil, and it's just a cycle that continues over and over and over, and, and you can never go anywhere from there. And they're trying with AI. They're, they're trying to, to then say, well, we can give a soul to AI, and if we can conquer that, we don't need the other side. Just can't happen. You weren't created to do that, so it won't happen, right? So evil is only created for children to exist as boogeymen for all of us to have the experience of living and every experience you could possibly have. And then after that, it's no longer needed. So the ego is only there until it's no longer needed. Hell only exists for you, and the devil only exists for you until it's no longer needed. So you're only stuck here until you're not, until it's no longer needed, okay? The knowledge that I just gave you is the tools of ascension. Whether you take that knowledge and assimilate that, it's up to each individual. And that's what they've taken from this society and what you will not hear anywhere else. You will not hear that message on television unless you have the ears to hear and the eyes to see. And then it's right in front of you, and it's as obvious as I am on the screen. It's as obvious as your thoughts in your head. But that doesn't come until the realization, and all of that comes in layers of realization of the knowledge of the universe itself and of yourself and getting to know yourself and being honest with yourself and going through the shadow work and your own dark night of the soul and your own ascension as you become upright and you, but you have to take control of yourself, get control of those things that make you evil in any way. All of those things that get you uh, to do bad things you have to get control of. Only adults can do that. Children can't help themselves. That's why Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If you watch the, the movie The Giver with Jeff Bridges, same thing. He realizes, because he has the knowledge of good and evil, that what his father's doing by euthanizing babies is not a good thing, and it's bad. And Jeff Bridges, who is the old the elder giver who's teaching the young giver, says it's not his fault. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't have that. He's veiled. He has no knowledge of good and evil. So what he thinks he's doing is right, and it's helping the society, but it was perpetuated by evil people trying to keep the society locked down. It's a great movie if you figure it out. It's called The Giver.
Jeff Bridges. Look up Jeff Bridges. Find the movie. I believe it's called The Giver. And that's the, and watch that. Starts out in black and white because there is no color when you don't know the rainbow. You don't know chakras. And the first color he sees is red. And then it's uh, yellow and then orange or orange then yellow. Sorry, red, orange, then yellow. And all of the colors of the chakras as he grows and the kundalini energy and he wakes up and attunes his chakras, he first sees red and it's an apple. The apple falls from the tree. The apple is the beginning, the seed, the fruit. Do you see? And he moves up through the chakras, and each color he starts to see is when he's aligning his chakras until he then sees all of the colors in the spectrum. And that's when he awakens his third eye, moves into the violet, and expands his consciousness. And then he realizes he needs to help to free all the people that are stuck. It's a great movie. You should watch it. Jeff Bridges, his new show, The Old Man. Love it. I didn't watch last night's episode. I DVR it. Absolutely love it. Great show. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Julie, I love that. Right? Uh, So all of you that are out there, watch that movie. Jeff Bridges is a great actor in most of those movies he does, like Tron and Tron Legacy and The Fisher King and all the movies that he's been in and even The Big Lebowski. Jeff Bridges does not do a movie that is not in some way, the dark night of the soul or being stuck in, in awakening. Every movie he does uh, in his entire existence, including Starman, has to do with the death and the rebirth of the human race, the psyche, the soul, everything. Uh, that's why I love Jeff Bridges, the whole family, the Bridges family. Most of the movies and, 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 and television shows they've ever been in uh, is a very obvious dichotomy. Jeff Bridges is one of those, and people just don't know. Even when he appeared in uh, uh, um, what was the movie that he was in? He was in the, um, I think he was in one of the Iron Man movies, wasn't he? Yeah, he played a bad guy in that. Rarely does Jeff Bridges do something. The Big Lebowski was another one. You should watch that and pay attention. Don't just watch it on the lowest vibration, um, but pay attention to his character and what he goes through and what that means for all the characters and what they all go through and how they all grow from the beginning until the end. And you'll see the same. It's a same parody. Okay, guys, I'm going to go. You guys have a great night. Uh, It's now 6.30. I've been here two hours and 30 minutes, going on 31 minutes. Um, I will see you on Sunday, Ariel. Remind me. uh, You said 9. Did you say 9 p.m.? So that's that's 5, right? 9, 8, 8, 7, 6, 6 p.m. for me? Send it to me again. Remind me. Uh, and I'll be there on your show on, on Sunday. And then I'll see you guys on Wednesday on the Skull Island. And I'll be back here next week to bother you about Ascension again and listen to more of Raw and the Law of One and talk about Ascension even more. All right? You guys have a great night. I love you all. Share this out, share this out, share this out. This has been Orion Rising. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into this show. Have a great night.